This is the I Know Podcast, where we're all about healthy debate, honest conversation, and talking beer junk. Information, knowledge, observation. This is the I Know Podcast. I-N-O, information, knowledge, observation. Also, I know nothing. We got Malik Mosey. Hey. We got Kofi. Mm-hmm. We got Short Gabby. For the first time in forever. <laughs> the best worst intern ever. <laughs> the best. Just the best. best. Uh, we have she was working from home, man. We have a special guest. Can I, can I say your name? Can I? Can I? We have Aisha Komishaw in the building. Hey! hey. Who saw that coming? Hey! <laughs> <laughs> um, and we have a very, very special guest. Uh, just a short bio, he was the founder of the campaign movement and once served as head of the Barbadian government's co- commission, of, commission for Pan-African Affairs. And he's now the Barbados ambassador to the Caribbean community. We have Ambassador Komishan. <laughs> How are you doing, sir? Let me, let me take off this mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's <Jeez>, on. <laughs> no, sorry, I get a little hot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, proper social distancing. Yeah, 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 yeah. All yeah, that yeah. stuff. All that I'm stuff. All that fancy. All that fancy stuff. <laughs> but it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, uh, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Yeah. Before, before, we, before we start... How do we address you? That, should we do Ambassador Commission? Because that is long. Should we just say Ambassador? Should we say Bassi? Okay, no, Bassi, like, what's your word? Like, you say, and then we will, we will go uh, from there. How about His Royal Highness? Oh, 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 Highness. Oh. What if that was what we doing then? I just like, King Marcus III. Like, like, if that was what we doing, though. If that was what we doing, then say it. David is good. David is good? Okay, okay. Oh. I mean, I mean, trying to ambassador yeah. in there out of respect, of course. You know, got to sprinkle on the ambassadors. And, you know. Oh, no. Your mother went to school with me. You know that. Really? You went yeah. to Michael's? Harrison's? Yeah, she went Harrison's yeah, afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? So I could be your father. What? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> is this Mari? <laughs> <laughs> My father's an ambassador. That's so cool. Yeah, that's, that's cool. You know what? I'm going with it. I'm going. Things, so if you're, because you'll be, you are, you are his excellency. I see that in the paper. Uh, you're, yeah, yeah, see, yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, so I kind of his excellency be second by, by in the case. Yeah, yeah. In, the, in the event that you right. Course, we, we go back some years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2013. Yeah. Okay. He he was a star boy in a, a production that went by the name of In the Castle of My Skin. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we did. Uh, it was the 60th anniversary of George Lamming's novel, mm-hmm. and I put together a multimedia production: actors, dancers, music. Gabby composed nine new folk songs. Right. Mm-hmm. And new folk songs. we we had a sellout audience. Yep. At the um, Arabara Center for Creative Imagination. Mm-hmm. Right. And Marcus played one of the. One of the schoolboys, you know, G. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. The young George Lamming. And mm. in fact, not not far really from, from reality because mm. George went to Commavere. Re- yeah, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, he did. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So now look, seven years later, now we just here drinking brandy. Look yeah, how things, look brandy. how things happen. <laughs> I don't know if that is better or worse than where we were. If we have regrets. But again, thank you for coming. Um, there are a lot of things that we want to ask you, right? Um, a lot to uh, some to do with politics, CARICOM, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get to that, though, the catalyst for you being here is we had an episode this month that came out, and it was about race and how we felt about race, and we had on a guest, and the the 
episode was very interestingly received. It was, we got good re- reviews, we got negative reviews, we got a lot of people in the middle, and there was a yearning for more information and more perspectives. So we wanted to bring you on. So that's a good place for us to start. Um, first thing, uh, so Aisha told me that you watched some of the episode, and I wanted to know your thoughts. As a matter of fact, how, how, let me start with this. What are the things that you saw that you agreed with? <laughs> well, it's, it's a bit difficult for me to go into that now, you know, to be, to be that specific. Right. But basically, um, there were a number of young persons who had seen the program and were somewhat concerned about the flippant manner in which your young guests had addressed some of the issues. Mm. So the, the, the request was made to me, could we look at it collectively and could we and could we dis- discuss it? Mm. So you know, but what 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 really impressed me is that we have young Barbadians, these young people in their in their twenties, who are so passionate about an issue like this. Who are, you know, um, very intelligent views and very you know concerned enough to actually want to sit down with somebody oh, older, more right. experienced, maybe, yeah, um, to to have a discussion. But I wouldn't really want to spend time going into critiquing what oh, what was said. What, what was said. I prefer if we so you didn't like right, right, right. <laughs> 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 Let's come fresh. Yeah. Okay. 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 There's, for, there's so much else to talk about. Right. Okay. Right, right. Well, well, I do want to get your um your perspective on something that did happen, and this is regarding the Black Lives Matter that happened, the Black Lives Matter movement that happened um in July, I believe it's it was. Happening. Still happening. I'm not really seeing it that much here anymore. You're still seeing rumblings? Okay, okay, okay. But um, when it, when it came up, there was there was the idea of having a dig by Black Barbados. And that is the interesting part of that last episode that I wanted to get your opinion on. Right? I don't want to go back to that and, and what was said. No, no, no. I can go back to that. Okay, okay. Okay, right, okay, okay. About hmm, 20 years ago, I was the one pushing by Black. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember... Um, Taken up that cause about twenty. It's, it's, it's amazing how history repeats, repeats itself. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I remember the at the time the I think it was the head of the Barbados Chamber of Commerce was pushing oh, a white person at the time. A white person um, was pushing this message of buy local, and I said, yeah, "Fine, yeah, yeah. fine. I I have no problem with buy local." But there's another slogan we need to raise as well, and that is buy black. And I explained why, why we need to say by black. And I mean, it's, it's very simple. Um, you know, we, we can't pretend about Barbados. Huh? We live in a country that has a particular history. And we know this is a 95% um, black, black country, 95% black population. Yet so many black businesses struggle for consumer support. And there's this um, traditional saying that is thrown out there that black people don't know how to run business. Mm. And, and so we know that coming out of our history, our peculiar history, there's still some kind of, of psyche that is afoot um, that causes black people not to support black business in the way that they should. There are right. so many black people who would prefer to go and support, uh, you know, a business of some, some business owner of some other Ethnicity, right, and um, and so so I was right. Saying, the white people, yeah. It's, 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 it's not about it's not about running 
write businesses um, out, out of operation or anything right, like that. Right. But it's simply about recognizing that we do have a problem that come that has come out of our peculiar history. Right. And we need, and in the interests of the black business community, we need to address it. We need to say, look, black people, you need to make sure that black businesses are able to survive. We're not saying give them all of your patronage, but mm -hmm. make an effort to give some more support. But, but isn't it important that we kind of disrupt the, the, the like, power dynamic that we have here by somewhat putting more wealth and power um, in the black community to give us a more equal playing field? Of course, of course, of course. But that would then... Re that would then re and, and, but it mm -hmm. comes with some consciousness, you know. I personally, I... I love to shop at um, Howard's Supermarket. Okay. In That's in Bushall, in Bushall, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I I feel good supporting Mr. Howard, mm -hmm. my my elder brother. Right, know? right, right, right. And um, yeah, and but you know, it, so it calls for us. That doesn't mean that sometimes I would not go to um, a Marcy or, or whatever, but. As much as I as I can, if I you know, if I have the choice to make, let me go to let me go and support Howard. Let let me make sure that you know my dollars go to keep that black business mm -hmm. running afloat. You know, <clears throat> so we we need more of that. Right. We, we we just need to be more conscious about this that we have to support. Our own. What do you think about the um, the um, co comments that were made? that pooling wealth as a black community is more effective than something like buying black. And I, I shouldn't really put, put, put them like against yeah, each other. It's not either. I, I not either or, but, but pooling wealth is something that we should really be promoting yeah, in the black community as well. But it's, it's the same idea, you know. The, the idea of, the idea, as I said, the idea of buying black isn't, is, is you're not intending to say that, you know, henceforth, um, I will only shop at, at, at a black store. That's not that's not the point. But right. but you're you you are acknowledging that there is there is a problem that has come out of our history, mm -hmm. where our people, um, for whatever for whatever reason, our people do not support each other enough, mm -hmm. and it's, it's just about trying to redress that 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 imbalance. But the same consciousness that is required to see that you need to address that um, imbalance mm -hmm. is, the, is exactly the same consciousness that is going to lead you to the idea that we need to come together and pool and pool resources. My final question. Oh, let's wait. I, okay, I, it's fine. It's I, fine. I just wanted go, to. Go ahead. Sorry. Continue. Oh, then go ahead. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to ask a question based on what you just said. Um, I don't think it's necessarily personally. I don't think it's necessarily like that close. Like just when we support black, that does not necessarily mean that there will be some form of like community wealth. Like I, I um with minorities in the island, like Indians and whites, to so use an example or whatever, it's easy then. But if the same Howard or whatever accumulates wealth over time, that does not necessarily mean that Joe Blow would benefit from that. As opposed to something like the same credit union we spoke about in the last episode. You, you think you saw that part, right? Uh, you, you, br brief him, brief him, just in case. Um, the guest Rex said that um, we should be focusing more on accumulating wealth, like using services like the credit union, instead of just focusing on buying black. Well, I do get what you mean by saying it's not either or. You should do both. But when we put in so much effort 
into buying black. Of course, that's a great thing, but shouldn't we also be putting effort? Like, I don't think it's something you could just do one. They could just buy black and assume that eventually it will it will be right. It's not going to ev- that pushing buying black is not going to eventually solve all the problems we have. No, no, there's no one silver bullet that's going to solve all the problems we have. But what will solve all the problems we have is when we develop the right consciousness so that we make the right decisions, we make the right judgments about a whole host of things. Where the credit union is concerned, though, I would say that um, Black Barbadians have done extremely well in developing the the credit union movement. I mean, you know, you take the city of Bridgetown um, credit union, that was actually started by young graduates of the KFL campus, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And the credit union is actually one of the great uh, black business success stories of Barbados. Mm In fact, I would like to see um, I would like to see our credit unions exported across the world. I've been arguing for our credit unions to move into Africa, for example. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that our credit unions would do extremely well in places like Ghana. But anyhow, but the point is that uh, black people have done well yeah. in the credit <coughs> union movement. Um, now, the problem, though, with with well, well, we have set up these credit unions and we have saved a lot of money. We have not, we have not made the, the other step now is to use the collective savings of, of the credit unions, not simply for purchase of cars right, and yeah. homes, right. but to actually invest in, yeah, in businesses hmm. and so forth, right? But, but you see, the, even, the, even taking that, 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 that idea of the collective approach, mm-hmm. even and applying it to, to black businessmen in, in Barbados, there are many black businessmen who go to business, who fall on hard times and their business actually um, dies because they choose to go it alone. It is them. They, you know, it is their thing. And, and even though things are getting difficult right. and they're floundering rather than reaching out to, yeah. rather than inviting in yeah. other other, you know, and black the, um, business persons or entities and say, come, you know, let's 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 join together, let's let's save this thing, let's pull let's pull our efforts. This is a conversation so that we've had consciousness. This is a conversation we've had many, many times on here. Where we say where we say um the size of the country and the fact that there's an idea that there isn't enough to go around. A lot of people like fend for themselves and say, well, if I bring you in, I can only get half as opposed to the whole. If I bring in another man, I only yeah. get a third as opposed to the whole. So I'm asking so I'm asking you, is there merit to that in some way? Because it, it, they are small but and there it, are ceilings. But, but Go when ahead. it goes under, you, ha- you get 100% of nothing. Right. Whereas if you saved it and you brought in others... You you get maybe thirty percent of in the long game over time as opposed to right okay okay. But it's just look, let's look at the Indian community. Yeah, it's all about coming together, pooling their resources, mm-hmm. and I always look at look at the Mormon Church yeah? in in the United States. Mm-hmm. The Mormons were driven out of New York um, around time. around the. The, the, the cowboys. End of the, oh, yeah, no, no, I just, I just, I just, I just, I just still in here. Sorry, they went go into ahead. this this wilderness place called Utah, yeah. and, and and you know built it up, mm. right? Um, just based on unity, collective effort, and I think that's a lesson that we really need to take to heart. Um, how much we can achieve just through unity, 
and collective effort. And as I said, we, we, we have seen it in the credit union. I mean, we have done it. We have seen it. We have done it. Um, but we, we, we have pioneered historically things like the, um, the meeting turn and, and you know, Suksu as they call it. So that, that idea of pooling, pooling, pooling resources, we know it. We know it and it's part of our culture, but yet we don't sufficiently yeah. use it and embrace it and deploy it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so how do we turn this con how do we turn these these um ideas on mentalities that we have? Because right now we kinda as you said, um we don't like to worry uh, to, to simplify what you said, we don't like to worry each other, in a sense. Yeah, well I'm I'm I'm, I'm but I you know I'm not gonna make a carte blanche statement like that, you know, because I think it's a more nuanced um, reality. All right. Um yes, we do have evidence of us working together. I mean if we didn't work together we would not have survived. We would not have survived enslavement, right. you know, and all that all that we went through. So we, you know, if, if we go back into our history, you know, I mean, uh, on the slave plantation, for example, um, as far as it, as far as the slave master was concerned, once the slave reached a certain age and could no longer produce, he was thrown on the garbage heap. It was really the the younger younger enslaved Africans that took care of that person, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so we, we have always shown um, that collective spirit. Mm -hmm. um, but yet, there are, there are instances where we don't show it enough. Right. And, and, and so, but I, you know, I, I'm, I'm always wary about making a blanket mm -hmm. condemnation because when you actually examine the evidence, often you will see that there are cases when, in which we, we do do well. There are other instances where we are we are dropping the ball. I just, just want to let y'all know, I love to hear politicians talk. You know? I want to say it that way, but <laughs> no, you know, if you say <laughs> car blanche, I've used car blanche sometimes in my life. The truth is that our you look you look back at our history and our reality, and um, you, you have to have that kind of, of nuanced approach. It, right. it is hardly ever just black and white. The consciousness has to change, as you said. I agree. I agree. What do you think contribute, contributes to that, to this mistrust of each other? What's the genesis? I think we could take care of each other. Like, why can't I trust you when find out? Yeah, because yeah. You, why? Why? Why, hmm. why is this? Why is this? This um. This, this reality exists. Well, you know, as as Marcus was saying, I, I guess maybe, in terms of the black business, um, it it perhaps the you know the field was so hostile, it was so difficult, um, that, um, the space was so limited, that you know. Only only one or two could get through, rather than any large number. Is I guess it's like um, in the United States um, back in the forties and fifties, the black writers, where, for example, James Baldwin said, "There's only room for one mm. at the top. Mm -hmm. There's only room for one at the top." So the idea was that um, we actually could have had thousands of of outstanding white writers. Right. Um, but there was only room for one black writer right. yeah, at right. the top, you know? So they, they made it so difficult, <coughs> so hostile. So there was a big competition between Baldwin and... Um, uh, Maya Angelou? No, no, no. no. The, I don't know. I just tried out now. Native Son, Native Son. Oh, okay. Native Son. Um, the guy who wrote Na Native Son, you know? The, the name slips me now. Oh. But there was this big competition between the two of them because there was only room for one right. black writer. That my you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, so you know a lot, a lot of what we see in our in our present reality 
comes out of our history. Mm. And if we're not aware of the history, sometimes it could be yeah. a bit could be a bit confusing. I want to ask: um, do you, Is there anything politically that can be done to help more um, black businesses um, do better and thrive? Well, um, yeah. Well, uh, right now, Barbados, we are all in a stage, in a state of flux. Um, COVID nineteen has hit us. Uh, the tourism economy has been struck down. Uh, we heard the throne speech yesterday, right? Yeah. Um, the government has outlined uh, a fresh guard, has taken fresh guard. And um, and uh, a lot of the, the measures that they are proposing could, with the right push, the right mm -hmm. imagination, could end up being something very helpful and very constructive for, for black business, uh, for young business people, um, for new types of businesses in mm -hmm. Barbados. So I would say, I know you asked a general question, but I'm taking it to this specific time right. that we are facing right now in Barbados. Mm -hmm. I think this is a time that is pregnant with many possibilities. You know, we can, we can go in different directions, but... I think the possibilities are there that if we, if we really are conscious and really push for the right outcomes, we could use this period of flux to create the kind of Barbados that, that we would like to see. We are, we are black businesses. Mm -hmm. We are young business people. Um, are pushed to the forefront. Mm -hmm. Our pregnancy can labor because it's not enough work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So but pregnancy comes labor because it sounds like enough work. Yes, it's, it's well. I mean, right now we are in we are in a crisis. We are actually faced with a very serious existential crisis. Fortunately for us, we do have a prime minister and a political administration that is thinking, that is not intimidated, and um, that is coming up with creative solutions uh, to take us forward. So. And, and I, I think I would urge young people to really look at um, what was being proposed in that thrown speech um, yesterday. In fact, I made a few, actually made a few notes of some of the things that related the first directly. Yes, I yeah, I have <laughs> notes for us. This is to do with the thrown speech specifically? Yeah, yeah, no, okay. Some specific things oh, that cool. pertain directly to young people because I, I know I was coming here to speak to um, a, a young audience but right. for example they're proposing affirmative well I mean this is not the first time this was said but affirmative action programs for young business people okay I have to listen to that steer, I, didn't, I, didn't steer that. More I didn't know that of government, <laughs> government funding and government contracts and you know to, to, to young to, to young business world. people um, we still young right you know yeah we still young <laughs> <laughs> how young are we talking <laughs> Uh, no, they, they, they didn't. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't specify. Yeah, you know? that's a real political thing. They, they say things but don't specify. Yeah, Next well, thing you know, I'm 25 or under. <laughs> 18 to 25. The job. <laughs> <laughs> Give me silence, man. Is the job start scheme? Okay, okay, okay. okay, 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 okay. I thought I was getting money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought I was getting some money. <laughs> Start sure up a small that, business. Um, you know, that young people are in that age range are able to work, and even if the government has to pay um, to ensure that they. they pay how would they even enforce that, though? Hmm? How do they just guarantee? I mean, yeah, the public well, obviously. I think, obviously I think the, the, the idea behind the whole, the whole program is that 
we recognize that we are in a really serious predicament mm -hmm. and that if we are not careful um, many people can fall through the cracks yeah. there can be a lot of there can be a lot of suffering so what what the government has said is look we are going to we are going to ensure that we bring everybody through this safely mm -hmm. so you know we the government is kind of we're going to hold everybody's hand make sure that we all come through this safely so for example what what is being um, presented there is really unprecedented for example they've said they're going to 300 million dollars to plow into the tourism sector to ensure that the hotels do not lay off the workers that you keep your workforce and you pay them a salary of 80 percent of mm -hmm. the normal of the normal salary mm -hmm. You know, um, 40 million for um, something called the, um, this, uh, over the next 12 months, people who are out of work, the government is actually going to employ them to do a, a, a variety of things from being monitors in primary schools to make sure that the children do the social distance. Right, 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 right. Mm. So um, being involved in um, environmental, environmental um, works and so forth. Right. Um, but $40 million is going to be plowed into just just employing people. And, mm -hmm. and, and so the point they're making right. is that, look, either you do that or the people um, find themselves out of work, find themselves at the welfare department, and you still have to find welfare funds, you know, because you can't allow people um, to suffer. So why not give, give our people the dignity of a job? Right. Why not put the money into allowing them to work and allowing Free them to income. receive a salary mm -hmm. and have mm -hmm. the dignity of right. a job and... You know the mental wellness goes with that. You know? I, I wanted to ask you something about 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 um, and the, the first this is a yes or no question, and depending on what you ask, then I, I, I depending on what you answer, I will ask the question. We, we've re relaxed the restrictions on Caricom um, recently to have more um, migration, correct? To some extent. Mm, so yeah, yeah, yes, yes. How did okay? Yeah, sure. Right. Okay. Right. Sure. Okay. Before COVID, we had thirty almost thirty percent unemployment in, with young people amongst young people in Barbados. How would that affect us, more people coming to Barbados and us competing in the job market? Well, okay, um, let, let's, let's, put, let's put COVID aside. Um, the, right over the past year, the Barbados government had uh, carried out a study, a demographic study on Barbados' population. Uh, because there's this feeling that Barbados' um, population is too small. Not only too small, but that we basically have an aged population. Mm -hmm. And if we are not careful, if we don't augment the economically active segment of the population, mm -hmm. um, we are going to have too few economically active citizens trying to support a large number of you know, Polish pensioners and, and elderly persons. So I think I, no final decisions have been made yet. But the, the feeling is that if we do need to augment our population, I think the first place we're going to look at is our Caribbean brothers and sisters, right? right? Because, I mean, we're all the same people, mm -hmm. you know? We know we know each other. The other but aside from that, so, so there, there could be a case to be made that we do need to boost our, our population numbers, particularly in the, the economically active years, and and if and if we have to look outside, the first place we really should be looking at 
our brothers and sisters from the Caribbean. But I sorry, but I just know that a lot of young people. The reason why I ask, I know a lot of young people right now that are unemployed, right? And knowing that there's going to be a huge set of people coming into the market now, wouldn't it be well, not a huge set? But I mean, it would still be uh, quite m- more competitive than well, how it is now. Phase, right? I, I always wondered if the jobs that um, people coming in will be taking are jobs that we will want. Me being young people. Good, mm. good point. Because remember, 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 remember. <laughs> when there was a time when our unemployment went down to about five percent, um, historically um, probably the lowest so outside okay. of the period Whoa. of enslavement. No, that just was under the 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 last um, when Arthur um, administration. And at that time, R-I-P. at that time, we were five to seven percent, somewhere around there. But it was extremely low. It was really historically the lowest since, you know, the, the period of enslavement when mm. people worked for free. Mm. Um, and we had, Barbados had a very liberal immigration policy in relation to, to Caribbean migrants. Right. Even undocumented Caribbean migrants. Right. And then, remember, there was a change of government in, uh, in 2008 and the new government came with these draconian policies where they were deporting Undocumented yes. Caribbean migrants, yes. and, and a lot of twentieth boy, yes. and a lot of people that they deported <laughs> were people working in agriculture, right? People who were earning money and and, and buying their groceries from the, the neighborhood the right. neighborhood mini mart, right. contributing to the local working class community. Mm-hmm. And what we did actually was shoot Barbados's economy in the foot mm-hmm. because. You know, this idea that um, there's, there's, there's a fixed quantity of jobs and, and if some people have a job, it means you're depriving somebody else. It doesn't, an economy doesn't work like that. If people, are, if people are working, they're generating economic activity, they're spending money, you, what you're doing, you're kind of stirring the pot and you, you're creating all kinds of different opportunities for other and job opportunities oh. and so forth, right? But the other thing that we need to bear in mind is that there's something called the CARICOM Skilled Nationals Program. And we need to bear in mind that just as CARICOM Nationals can come into Barbados seeking opportunities, Barbadians can go across the region as well, also mm-hmm. um, searching for opportunities. And in fact, um, there are many, there are many um, skilled Barbadians um, who do, who do seek out and benefit from business opportunities, doing different contracts and so forth across across the region. In fact, just today I was speaking to one of them um, who does like computer programs and right, so right, forth, right. and so he's contracted all across. I the think Caribbean. people need to do that. I think Bayes need to do that more often. They need so to look that, abroad. Right? Um, they don't look abroad enough for jobs, honestly. I don't feel I don't feel so. I really I, I really want to push the CARICOM Skills National Program mm-hmm. because I, I like to encourage all of our people. If you qualify under any of the categories, and there are about 12 categories now, um, go to the Barbados Accreditation Council there in Green Hill mm-hmm. and get your CARICOM. You know, I've heard of it, but I don't know. I don't know. It sounds familiar to me. Because when you have that CARICOM skills certificate, yeah. right. you have the right to reside and work without the need for any work permit in all of the CARICOM countries with the exception of the Bahamas. The Bahamas doesn't participate in, in the program. Why not? Why the Bahamas? Uh, Wait, you thank you. I'm not very funny. You know who they are, right? Bahamas. 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 Bahamas.
right? The right. single market and single economy. So right. all the countries well, that are in the single market and single economy. I think the Bahamas, Bahamas, Bahamas left a group chat or something like what well, they were in it before? No, they have this I think they have this fear of because they're in such close proximity to yes. Haiti. To Haiti. Okay, okay. okay. that was that. So okay, 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 okay. into the Bahamas. So uh, that, that okay. But the point is right, okay, right. I just wanna saying. I just wanna conclude the point. Um and I'm as CARICOM ambassador, COVID has kind of put a pause on many things, but I will soon be getting out there again to explain the Skills Nationals program. Um, for example, all people with, uni- I mean, there are many categories, but a general category is anybody with a university degree, anybody with associate degree, anybody with two CAPE subjects, then musicians, artists, artisans, yep. you know, a, a, a whole range, yeah. a whole range of dis- different disciplines. And once you qualify, is is about um, going to the accreditation council presenting your certificates to them and getting your CARICOM skills certificate. It costs you $100. And uh, once you have that, then you can, you're free. You can go into any of these countries, get your skills certificate recognized in the country and get in your passport your stamp saying that you're entitled to reside and work there permanently yeah. without the need for any any work permit. So I really want to encourage Barbadians, even if you don't immediately intend to go to one of these um, CARICOM countries to work, get your certificate, you have it, opportunity presents itself, you are ready to go. Only anyway. only $100, honestly. Yeah, yeah you, don't go, you, go, don't, you don't go to reapply. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I want to ask you something. Go, go ahead, go, Mozi, if you... Are the certificate specific to your vocation if you have, if you qualify... For two different things, do you have to have two certifications? So no, you only, you only need one really, okay. because yeah. once you once you have the certificate, yeah, the certificate would 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 indicate which category you have qualified under. Mm-hmm. But once you have that, and once you go into the country and you get your um, in, indefinite residing work, you don't have to stay in that field. You could go oh, away, okay, right, go right, into right. any other field. Yeah. That's just to get you just to in. relocate. Yeah, yeah to relocate. In. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the idea is you have confirmed that you are a valuable, you, yeah. you are a person of value right, right. To, that, to that economy. Right, you right. are bringing skills. Right. You are bringing skills that that economy needs. You mm-hmm. know? So that's, um, that's the idea. We need to be speaking about it more because there is some, some sort of misinformation regarding that because yes. um, some musicians with whom I work you know, there is yeah, yeah, yeah. that. Now the musicians need to go and get their certificates, yeah. all the artists, because mm-hmm. once you have that certificate, it will make it so much easier for you. You know, no, you can't, no, they can't ask you any questions. Mm-hmm. Get your, I, I've, my daughter and all the, the dancers of um, Rhythm Tribe, yeah. yes, I encourage them to go and get their certificates. So especially artists mm-hmm. who, um, Barbadian artists should be looking to exploit other Caribbean markets, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of Jamaicans always come in here or the Trinis come in. Well, we too, we can go to, to these other territories and get gigs, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But having this certificate makes it easy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you a question um, before we move on to a different topic or anything that you have there because I know that that's, that's some interesting information, you. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I want to ask you something there. Uh, I want to ask you about your role as CARICOM ambassador mm-hmm. and activism, right? You have been known to be one of the biggest um, voices for the people that will speak out against the powers that be over for years um, gone by. And 
now I guess it now it, it brings up the question now that you are part of the establishment to some degree or would you be able to speak out the way that you used to no i can't i can't speak out in the same way you know so um but you know i my whole life my whole adult life has been about pursuing a particular kind of mission um targeted at my people and trying to help with our development and so I've, I've gone through different phases you know right. remember when I first started I was um, champion of the vendors that's where I first um, made my name the Wayside that is, that is a cool name yeah champion of vendors yeah yeah I was I played a big role in helping to organize the Wayside the, event, the vendors <laughs> oh my god we are the host <laughs> we are thinking the same <laughs> anyway so I'm sorry I'm sorry that was a very dumb no no yeah. so the, <laughs> Then I went into I went into um, I worked with government with the Commission for Pan African Affairs. Right, yeah, right, for right. Close right, to seven yeah. years. Right. Um, so sometimes you know, so throughout my adult career, there have been different phases. That's mm-hmm. the point. There have been different phases. So yes, just before taking up this um, this appointment as as ambassador, I think Barbadians would have known me that the last phase would have been more a legal phase. You know, taking many several cases to court uh, on different issues and and stuff like that. But um, when Prime Minister Motley asked me if I would be willing to serve in that capacity, well, obviously I had a decision to make. Mm-hmm. Um, is it better for me to stay on the outside and continue doing what I was doing? But I I, I made the decision that look, you know, there was there was. I was now ready for a new phase. Right. A new phase. But as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> the mission min- remains the same. Um, my mission really is about the struggle of my people. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's the same mission, but it's just that I will do it in a different area and, and in a different way. So so I appreciate as uh, as an ambassador of the country, mm-hmm. I'm not a policymaker. So there's certain things that I can't really trespass upon. But... I I looked forward to it because I thought that if I could play a role in really helping to... My idea was to make CARICOM into... To root it in the people. Mm-hmm. To, to transform CARICOM into a people's organism. Right? So I said, well, this is an opportunity to work at that on the inside. Then, in addition to that, um, I'm also working with this administration on a system of local governance, people's assemblies. You know, we have the, I'm the vice, vice chairman of the Thorn mm. Commission on local governance. Right. So we are now working on <coughs> putting, to get, putting, putting in place a system of 20 people's assemblies right across the landscape of Barbados. And then thirdly, I'm on um, a syllabus development committee of the Ministry of Education where we are developing a history syllabus mm. for primary schools and for the first, second, and third forms. Oh, that is so. Yeah. Secondary yeah. schools, right? That, yeah, that is a good idea. So, so, yeah. so my way of looking at it, Marcus and Kofi, is look, if I could play a role in helping to, to make this regional integration movement what it ought to be, something right. really rooted in the people and relevant to the people, if I could play a role in bringing forward the empowerment of the citizens of Barbados, you know, at a community level. Because this thing about these people's assemblies is not just about services, delivering services, it's also about 
empowerment of, of our citizens, you know, mm-hmm. and then the education piece. So yeah. I think, I think these this is very important work, and and I and I think um, you know privileged to be engaged in. Uh, I think so too. Oh wait, I think so too. It just primarily. I see that you're. I think you're fully competent, and capable. Of all the things that you just said, like like we've we've even seen you, you know, throughout the years. But secondarily, though, I've heard people on these. You know, people say that it could also have been seen as a strategic move, that you are the one of the biggest voices that speaks out against the powers that be. So to integrate you will yeah, be somewhat yeah. weird. Yeah, right. Will be right. to silence you to some degree, or to lower your voice on speaking out, or or a conflict of interest that would be things. When uh, be at peace in your position, you're still not able to be as vocal as you yeah. once was. Yeah, mm-hmm. correct, correct. But but I only took up this position because I believe in Prime Minister Motley. Mm. I honestly, you know, I honestly looked at the political situation and came to the conclusion that this is the right leader for this time, mm-hmm. for the right time, the right agree. person for um, for the, the the mission, you know. And I have not been disappointed. In fact, she has gone beyond my expectations yeah. of her in just in, in just over two years. I mean, she has cemented herself as a, as a global icon. And I I, I I kid you not. I don't know if Barbadians are aware of the kind of esteem that um, our prime minister is held in. All over the world, she's really she's really done remarkably well. So I have no hesitation in working with her, in in being there to back her up, to assist her as much as I can. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes okay. she can't she can't do a, a an engagement. She asks me to go, jump on the plane and nice. go. You know, I and I tell them, you know, our prime minister. I mean, her workload is so heavy that any of us, if she says. You know, David, I need you to do so and so. I'm happy. I'm happy to go and lift some of that burden, burden off yeah, yeah, yeah. our shoulders. So, so okay. I'm, yeah. So I'm, but I take your point. But you know, David Commission is David Commission, right? right? So, like a couple of days ago, I saw this thing on um, on social media where this guy, a black Barbadian, was very upset about how he was treated on the beach mm-hmm. uh, when yeah. um, they refused to. Um, rent him um, beach chairs and and as an attorney and I I saw the comments that were coming on the social media um, people lambasting in Barbados and saying you know what a backward backward country (laughs) we are and I I knew better I knew that social media is very wild yeah yeah, it's a very wild place the point is I knew that it was not fair to Barbados because Mm. since 1975 we passed something called the Hotel Proprietors Act that proscribes that proscribes that kind of um, treatment of our people. Right. That if if you are if you have a service that um, that one can rent, you cannot determine that it's not available because because the Barbadian is not a, a guest of the hotel. Yeah. It is not available to that Barbadian, right? Yeah. So um, I you know wrote a letter to the editor. Simply explaining what the law is, because as a, as an attorney at law, I feel that is part of my duty. Right, right, if, right. If I part of my duty is to share my own specialist knowledge um, with, with with our community. As you're, do, as you're doing now, actually, as you're doing now. So, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. the point is, the point is, um, I often 
make these interventions not as Barbados' ambassadors of CARICOM, but as David Cook. Citizen of okay, Barbados. Said, you, know, you had this on Drake too? Citizen of Barbados. So I will, you know, citizen citizen is really the highest officer. Okay, yeah. So I mm, mm, that's so a, I like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. That's good to say, but I would disagree. We have to make it the highest officer. Yeah, right. We, we should make it the highest officer. I like that. Yeah, go ahead. But the point is, I will always <laughs> intervene um, when it is my duty as a citizen of Barbados mm-hmm. to, to let my voice be heard. You mm-hmm. know? Kofi, Kofi, you had a question before? I was literally the same question. Oh, oh. well, my, my question, um, sp- speaking of uh, like having a duty as a citizen, some people, when the Black Lives Matter um, movement arose uh, a few months ago, people were saying, why does it seem like persons are more likely to mobilize when it's uh, injustice overseas than it is here because we have our own problems but it's something like that we've heard for the last few years like people not having waters but it'd be some like elderly abuse but it'd be you know our own police injustices but it doesn't seem like people really um want to like march in the street for that so what what is your what is your response <laughs> yes, to that listen whatever local problems we have they pale in significance to the historical phenomenon of systemic anti-black racism. In the States, you mean? Worldwide. Period, period. Worldwide. Let, let's understand this. In fact, in fact, it began right here in Barbados. You know, if we, if we want to find the roots of systemic anti-black racism, we may very well have to come right back to Barbados, back in the 17th century, the first black slave society, um, the Barbadian Slave Record of 1661, became the model that the British took. They took it to Jamaica, they took it from Jamaica to South Carolina, Mm -hmm. all across the 13 colonies. So that concept of the slave society and the concept of institutionalized systemic anti-black racism and discrimination took root right here in Barbados, right? And ever since then, I mean, it's, it's really a worldwide phenomenon. Fortunately for us, we live in a black majority society, so we don't get the same brunt of it in, in this 21st century as, say, our African-American brothers and sisters who are living in a white majority um, society. So they, they get a more severe brunt of it, but we all, all black people all over the world suffer from it, in one way or another, I, 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 give, I like to give people this example. I say, look, even your mental image of what the world looks like is a racist image. The, the, the mental image you have of the world map is the Mercator mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. projection map that, was, yeah. that mm-hmm. was designed in Europe. And it was designed to put Europe as the center of the world Mm -hmm. and to magnify the size of Europe and the northern white areas of the world and to shrink the size of Africa and the the non-white areas of the world. So even that um, is evidence, is systemic anti-black racism, right? So so whereas in Barbados, it may not be a a white police shooting, shooting an unarmed black person, 
we we still suffer the, um, some of you know the effects of it. So the point is, all black people have a vested interest in confronting and um, deconstructing um, that system of systemic anti-black racism. So we're so you know it it doesn't matter but if if it, if it erupts in if if we can give solidarity mm-hmm. to struggles in the United States, we should do so. And the truth is that George Floyd incident has had a tremendous impact all over the world mm-hmm. in awaken, awakening um, conscience mm-hmm. and bringing awareness, not only among black people, but people of all races, bringing awareness of the existence and the evil of institutional, mm-hmm. institutionalized mm-hmm. anti-black racism, you see? I do, I do understand what you're saying. However, I do get a lot of debaters that are saying about, like, like, for example, the article that came out soon after that from uh, the person that was a family to the gentleman that, that was killed by the police in Barbados. Allegedly. Allegedly, allegedly killed by the police. Thanks for that. Allegedly killed by the police. No, no this was uh, blue, blue. Right, right. I can't remember who came out, but spoke about it. And she was just like, what about me? Yeah, blue. Because at the end of the day, yeah. I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. So she's right down the road and she's going through all this injustice. Marcus. But at the same time, like... But you, I'm just asking yeah. if you understand where but the emotion comes from. But remember, I, no, I, saw, I saw her statement. I saw her statement. But I also remember that there were a number of us, myself included, who, when the incident happened, um, who took up um, the case of blues and who insisted that the police officer must be charged. Um, Adonijah wrote a calypso about it, mm-hmm. singing the blues. Right, so I, I'm, I, but I know, you know, obviously she's she's the victim. She's really, you know, who feels it knows it. Right, and she's feeling the direct pain. Um, but it is it it is not true to say that that incident was was neglected or we didn't pay attention to it yes. or we didn't we didn't protest it mm. because because we did. In fact, the Nation newspaper they put on their front page for weeks. So many days since Blues was killed and nobody, and nobody um, arrest, um, charged, right? Mm-hmm. So there were, if, if you cast your mind back, there was significant activism. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Right? So all, so all I'm saying, yeah. Um, but so I think your general point is that quite often um, things happen in the United States and it evokes a greater response, mm-hmm. greater attention mm-hmm. right. than even in our own country. And I guess that's part of the reality because of the media, s- the, media the power right. of that society and so forth. Something right. that we really, I, something that we really need to, to, to overcome because to some extent we are too, we take, we take too many leads from, them. from the United States. And I would like us, I would like us to, even in terms of the black movement, we need to understand that our people went there. People like Marcus Garvey, um, people like Hubert Harrison, people like our own Richard B. Moore, C.L.R. James, um, um, Arnold Joseph, or the Bar- you know, many of the leaders of the black movement who actually were in the vanguard of um, black activism in the United States came from the West Indies, mm-hmm. you know? So, we, you know, so we need to get over this idea that we kind of have to look to them for leadership. Yeah, yeah, okay, you know, okay. We need to get over that idea. But I think the, the wider point is that the phenomenon 
of systemic anti-black racism is not an American issue or an African issue or a Jamaican issue. It concerns all black or African people mm-hmm. and we all affected. I don't think it's... To double back a little bit. I don't, you, earlier you said, um, I can't get your exact words. No, I'm misquoting you. But you were pretty much saying that um, the same blues case got... Attention. attention. I don't think I don't think what she was saying when she said what about me was incorrect though, because what it did get attention in comparison to what happened in Barbados regarding George Floyd, I think that is that you can't really compare those two things because what she may get attention from um affluence in the word from important people in powerful people in Barbados society. People on the ground in necessarily lay budge on that unless you're probably close to her. Um, uh, I mean like People on the ground that might be close that are close to her, I'm assuming, with a felt or whatever. But I think that's a case where like people, the regular people, like the general people, ain't really budge on that. Well, remember too, you know, um, the George Floyd incident was a, was an incident of racism. Mm-hmm. Blues' killing was not was not an incident of racism. So that that factor, you know, you know, there's a, there's a lot there of there's a, a lot right? there's a lot mm-hmm. of black on black violence in the United States, you know. Right, right. It doesn't evoke. It doesn't evoke. It doesn't evoke that. Right. But but it doesn't evoke that kind of response. Right. Right. But but why why the the of that person's skin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And reopening old wounds too. Race, racism is always something yeah. that, right, you know, right. the race, yeah, that brings up you know, historical so problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. I totally, I totally understand right, what you're right. saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, I had, I have one more question about, about activism and I think that's it. Ah, there, there we go. I wanted to know, oh, Pan-Africanism. Mm. Mm-hmm. People reduce Pan-Africanism to like, uh, oh, I mean, he's one, he's one of the African men. He's one of them, like, um, he's one of the system fam. He's one of the star men. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Why, why do, do, do black people kind of reduce it to that um, when it's something that is like supposed to be seeing us as a collective and helping? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Pan-Africanism really started in our part of the world, you know, because... Back on the African continent, we didn't think of ourselves as African. You know, you were Yoruba or Igbo. You know, you were a specific ethnicity. It's only after our ancestors were brought over here. And after some time when those specific ethnicities kind of faded away and you became, you became a black person or African, an African person. And um, the, I mean, the, the basic idea behind Pan-Africanism is that we were all, we were facing serious racial oppression. And the idea was that we needed to come together. And the same idea we were talking about, the collective struggle. We mm-hmm. needed to come together um, to, to confront um, that oppression and exploitation. And added to that was the, was the additional idea that Africa was our ancestral home. And we needed to, to, to make that, that connection oh. back, um, um, to Africa. And, um, if, if you, and Barbados has a very proud role in Pan-Africanism. You know, if you read many of the texts of Pan-Africanism, some of them trace the origins right back to a Barbadian called Prince Hall. Mm-hmm. You know, Prince Hall was born here in Barbados. 
migrated to um, Boston in the United States just bef before the, the American Revolution and became a very important leader of the black community right. in the United States in many, many areas, um, the Masonic Lodge and education for black people, but also petitioning. He also focused on um, making a contribution to rebuild um, the, the, the African continent, you know. And um, then, of course, you know, we come forward to Marcus Garvey and many Barbadians who were involved in the Garvey movement and so forth. So we, we have a... And the truth is, the truth is, the truth is that um, a lot of the progress that black people made, the foundation of it was Pan-Africanism. Mm -hmm. The Marcus Garvey movement. Back in the early part of the 20th century, virtually every progressive public black man or woman in Barbados was either a member of the Garvey movement or was tremendously influenced by the Garvey movement. Whether you're talking about right excellent Charles Duncan O'Neill, I mean, Earl Barrow would tell you that at, um, at 17 years old, he went to listen to Marcus Garvey speak in the steel shed. Wow. And that what, Mark, what he heard from Marcus Garvey on that occasion stayed with him for the rest of his life. But Charles Duncan right. O'Neill, I mean, you, you name them, the, uh, Clement Payne, all of them either were members of the UNIA or were deeply influenced by the Garvey movement. And then, um, so yes, so a lot of the, the activism that, that, that took us forward, that was the driving force. And then in 1945, um, the, the famous Fifth Pan-African Congress in Manchester, England, where Kwame Nkrumah, C.L.R. James, and George Padmore, and all these guys, including a representative, a representative from the Barbados Labour Party, they came together at that historic Pan-African Congress and decided that the next phase in, in our struggle was decolonization. Mm -hmm. and, and, and Krumah went, went to Ghana and launched the movement for the independence, the independence of Ghana. Uh, you know, so out of that came the whole decolonization decade, then the formation of the Organization of African Unity. So Pan-Africanism was a serious, serious driving force. Um, in our people's movement. You know, we might have lost sight of it now, but I, I remember as, a, as an adult, I used to go and speak to Winter Crawford, right? Mm -hmm. Winter Crawford was one of the leading politicians of Barbados mm -hmm. from the 30s right up. He was Harold Barrow's deputy prime minister, mm -hmm. um, deputy right. premier, right? So he, he was a tower. And, you know, in speaking to Mr. Crawford as an old man, and he would, the way he would speak, Back in those days, these fellows had a sense of they were all together in an anti-colonial movement. It wasn't Africa there and the West Indies here. Mm -hmm. They had a sense that it was one, you know, it was kind of one struggle. And so that, that is Pan-Africanism. So right, but that, that, going back to what you were saying, nobody really cared about it anymore. I don't want no way. Uh, well, I think what, what has happened is that um, after the, for most of Pan-Africanism's history, you know, we didn't have independent nation states. So, I mean, for, for example, the Garvey movement. Garvey was all about how could he have an organization that kind of prefigured an independent state, you know? But, right. but then once we got independence now, so I'm saying, okay, the Pan-African movement drove the whole black struggle, right. the decolonization right. struggle and so right. forth. But when we finally got 
the independence and be solidified now in nation states, the nation states solidified, mm. then the movement that had, 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 had brought it to that fruition, right. I guess, became less Oh, so I guess it, it took its course. It did its job. It did in, its in job. Sense, I, okay, okay, okay. In a sense, it did its job. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess. In a sense, it did its job, but the, even with the nation states now, there's a recognition <clears> that, um, for example, the, there's a recognition that we in CARICOM that we need to be closer to the African Union. Mm -hmm. uh, right now in Bar Barbados, for example, <laughs> for we, are, <laughs> Go ahead. We, are, we are developing um, an embassy in Ghana and one in Kenya. Mm -hmm. So even, even, even now, even, um, mm -hmm. we, we have these nation states, but the realities are beginning to sink in that the, the Pan-African idea, but at the level of nation states, ah. needs to be pursued. Um. Regarding me and Mark were talking about this earlier, um, and I've heard time, time and time again, like, yeah, we want to be closer with our African brethren or what's not. But do they want to be close to us, like, realistically? Because mm -hmm. I hear that they don't really, like, see us as, I don't want to say equals, but they don't see us as equals. You know I'm married to an African woman, right? I don't think like that's like I don't I don't think it's fair to put your way to represent Africa. I think he's saying that he is insulted and he's gonna beat your ass. <laughs> I'm not saying that that, so that like no African person wants to touch somebody from the Caribbean. Let, let me let me let me let me ask you this way, right? Mm -hmm. I have been to many African countries, and what you're speaking about, I personally mm -hmm. have never experienced. I have never experienced any rejection. I have though. Any? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. All right. There's there was a, a famous Barbadian called Sir Conrad Hunt. Mm -hmm. Remember Sir Conrad Hunt? I can't great, remember. Great cricketer. <laughs> yes, yeah, Sir Conrad Hunt goes back to the days of um, Sir Garfield, the well, young. Yeah, you know that. How old do we are? Ambassador. You should know about Sir Conrad Hunt. One of our greats. One of our greats. Nah, bro. But respectfully, uh, <laughs> he, he had a career beyond West Indies cricket. Okay. He's actually Sir Conrad is probably regarded as the greatest opening batsman the West Indies have ever produced. You know, mm -hmm. the only two who, who would rival him are Greenwich and Haynes, right? And even then, I. But he went on. He went on to a career after cricket, and he 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 did work in South Africa. Okay. And he told me. I remember him giving me the story that he was in South Africa, and he. He, he was upset with um, the African people. The same thing that you are saying. Mm -hmm. the, 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 and and he and you know, and it was troubling him. And then, but then one night he said he really thought about it, and he said, "You know something? The problem is not them. You know, the problem is me. I have come here with this feeling of superiority." Mm. That's what he told me. This is a comrade Hunt, I mean, a very mm. honest man. He said, he said he thought the problem. He initially thought that the 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 attitude was coming from them. Okay. But when he reflected soberly on it, mm. he came to the realization that he had come to Africa with certain built-in, I don't know, no. prejudices. Right. Okay. Um, feeling maybe that we we in this part are somehow superior because mm. maybe we speak the English language better or whatever, oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said that when the when it hit him, he went to the he went to the African guys and he apologized. Mm. He apologized to them. I mean, this was so Conrad was this kind of highly moralistic person, huh? right. 
Um, and he said after that, the relationship was just beautiful. Mm. So the point okay. I'm making is, I'm not saying, I, the point I'm making is sometimes we from this part of the world, we have this feeling that we are better than. And it may work on the other way too. Some of them, I have this feeling mm. that they are better than too. Mm. Because, you know, but mm -hmm. the point is, um, look, all black people, you know, we... We all, we come from different struggles. We know that we are one people. We know that we need each other. We know that we have, we have a common struggle. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you have to use a lot of wisdom. Yeah, yeah, we have, you know, we, we have these things, sometimes these issues to work through in, our, in relationships. Um, but we have to be wise. We have to be wise about it. And um, sometimes kind of see the bigger picture and understand right. sometimes why people might right. behave a certain mm -hmm. way. I've I had, have... Sorry, Moses, go ahead. Clear, sorry. Yeah, I've, I've had two situations where I've had, you know, awkward situations with, with an African person. One, I think I was spoken to you guys about where I went to Global Young Leaders Conference. This was in 2009. And I was um, an African... Uh, Nigerian was my roommate. Mm. And he was very, you know, kind of standoffish and and so on. So after a while, I, I, I thought I should ask him what the issue was because I thought me, I carried myself pretty all right and mm -hmm. and uh, I was keeping my area tidy and so on. Um, so I was I was kind of taken aback by his 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 behavior toward me. So I asked him, "What what what what's going on here?" You know, um, and he said, "I know you don't. I know y'all don't like us." Mm. See? And I'm like, what are you speaking about? Who's first of all, who's y'all? <laughs> right. yeah. Um and he's like, you know, Carrie, you're from the Caribbean. And I know you don't you don't you know, comes you don't, with a miscon. Well yeah, you don't like you don't like Africans. So I'm like, what is this? Right, right, right. And he said, Well, you know, you know, we kinda of sold y'all into slavery. Right. And it was really a moment because at this time I was thinking, well, maybe he he was you know kind of squeamish. That's mm -hmm. great. Wisdom is required, you see. You know, so I was mm -hmm. like, no, wisdom we, is I was able to use that opportunity to say, well, we are one or whatnot. Things got better mm -hmm. for the rest of the That's trip. That's a very But it stuck with me because I'm like, here it is. We're talking about this Pan-Africanism thing and going back to Africa and whatnot. And, but will we actually be accepted? Right. Um, That's interesting. Or what, what the people who... Um, who are still in Africa and our brothers and sisters hope 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 they perceive us. That is My afraid. admonition is not to over exaggerate the differences and mm -hmm. um, the diffidence because I I have had a I mean as I said I've had virtually all positive experiences. So I'm not saying that then there's diffidence, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but it exaggerated. A South African musician, she was in Barbados for a while. She was doing like a cultural exchange kind of thing. She was hopping, you know, different islands in the Caribbean and she was going to the US and just sharing her stuff. She's a um, Zulu. She's a Zulu mm -hmm. And she came here, we actually did some work, we worked on some music here in the studio. And she was like, Mossy, um, you know, I find it so interesting being in Barbados and experiencing Barbadian culture. Uh, what I found most peculiar is your um, your effort to try to reconcile with Africa. <laughs> She's like, first of all, you don't even know where you're from. And it was so embarrassing to me. 
Because at first, it was like, wow, I, you know... Right. Africa, you know what I mean? Right, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, right. She's the like, entire continent. She's like, I look at the faces of Barbadians, and I see Kenyans. I see Nigerians. I see people from Senegal. I see people from, 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 from Ivory Coast. Right? She, like, she went to something that was on in steel shed. Um, yes, it was this play. And she, was, she said, they got ancestral worship wrong. You know, she said uh, it was almost insulting the kind of clothing that we wear, the certain like Kente print. She said it's disrespectful how some Barbados were wearing it as if it was fashion. This is some some uh, fabrics are are sacred. That sounds like cultural appropriation, but so, whatever. So, so, <laughs> so I, I found it very very interesting because it was it was an awkward moment to say the least, and we had to play off and whatnot. But she was like, mostly, to some extent, how can you reconnect something that has been so broken? What does it mean for you? Because Africa's a big place. Africa yes, is sir. not, mm. it's right. not, it's yes, not a country. That's yes, a good point. That's a very yes, good point. Right in South Africa, no. There's a big problem in South Africa with ethnic violence, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Black South Africans attacking Africans from other nationalities, mm. whether the Kenyans or Somalis or whatever. Look, we we bring something unique to the African family, to the, to the overall African family, and our uniqueness, African needs. We we bring that concept. We, are, as I said, we are not Zulu, and Igbo, and Yoruba we bring that embrace of the entire continent. We can only identify as African. So we, we, could, we could only embrace the whole continent. This is something that Africa actually needs now. Mm-hmm. Africa, needs to, Africa needs to get beyond ethnic conflicts mm-hmm. and, and ethnic wars. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Af- so Africa, like, Africa is now... Is presumptuous of us? No, but hold on. Hold on. To do it's that? not presumptuous. We, we are... African people, we now talk right now. We talk, in fact, we now talk about global Africa, right? We have something to contribute to global Africa. We did not come here for 400 years and waste our time, you know. We created here, we, we, we created um, a pan African identity. So, we're not claimed here. No, we, we claim here. Of course, we claim here. We I, claim, I don't know. I, I was here. going to ask other follow-up questions. No, 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 no. We, but Africa is part of our identity as well. We claim here. We claim the continent. We claim it all. We claim the, we claim the African diaspora. We claim it all. Um, obviously, not in the same way. We have, um, you know, but it is, it, is ours as, it is ours as well. And we have something to contribute. In fact, do you know that um, George Padmore was 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 a, a, a George Padmore Trinidadian um, was appointed by Kwame Nkrumah as his advisor on African affairs. You know, a, a lot of the work, even to do with the decolonization of Africa, was driven by people by people from the Caribbean, and um, so we 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 bring something we bring something unique, and we bring something that. Even African Africa concedes that that it needs. I'm gonna ask, but, but, but I just want I just want Kofi to, to you. You were making a point just now. 
Endorsements and what saying. Yeah. I was more endorsing, but mostly was saying. I can't remember exactly. Remember, point, remember the point you made in car about um about we we as Caribbean people we don't we just embrace right. right. Yeah. Um, it's almost like to a point of we focusing so much. Nothing's wrong with like having friendly relationships with any country. To be honest, right? Unless they're going against our entire identity, right? Right, style, right. But why is 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 there anything inherently incorrect? With just like focusing on Barbadian culture, Jamaican culture, Trinidadian yes, culture, yes, 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 because because look, <laughs> if you just restrict yourself simply to Barbados, it means you are somehow believing that your history began in sixteen twenty seven. That 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 you do not have a root that yeah. goes back thousands of years. That you are not you are not the ears. Of a historical and a cultural heritage that is that is ancient, that is rooted, that was actually the center of world civilization. Why would we want to why would we want to willfully cut ourselves off from that um, glorious ancient heritage? It, it actually it, it belongs to us, right? Um, we were brought, our ancestors were brought over here against our will. Mm-hmm. Now, what we, as I said, we did not waste 400 years here. We, it was a period uh, in which we had to resist oppression. We, we held on to our humanity. We humanized this space. Mm-hmm. We humanized it with our cultural creativity. So, I mean, we have created in, in, in music and, and um, spirituality and cuisine and nation language, you name it. Right. So we bring, so we bring something of value and something unique to Pan-African civilization, mm-hmm. right? We bring something of value and something unique to Pan-African civilization. So yes, okay. we are Caribbean people and we claim the Caribbean civilization, but we also have an African heritage that I am not saying I'm not saying deny that heritage really quickly okay Um, I've I've been to South Africa Mm -hmm. right no 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 joking 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 joking, joking. right Um, I've been to South Africa Um, I've been to Nelson Mandela's um, I've been to Soweto uh, Nelson Mandela's uh, matchbox what they call the matchboxes little hopes and our tour guide had a big Bob Marley shirt on, right? Mm-hmm. Dreadlocks, right? And he is engaging with us because he knows that we were okay. Caribbean. And you got the sense that the whole movement and the, um, I guess that would have been influenced by Bob's music and so on. The African, well, he, and I guess a lot of Africans do, identified with that Right, I try to gravitate more towards that culture, the struggle culture, and uh, uh, kind of things that Bob was talking about in his music. So, is there a case that even now with music, um, you find a lot of uh, Africans are doing a lot of Jamaican influenced music? Mm -hmm. So, what's happening with the culture? Because Bob and them were trying to appeal to. you know, go back home regardless. Right, right. Home. right uh, Africans yeah. are trying. A lot of Africans are trying to emulate what is that Caribbean. That that's what exactly what so I'm saying. So it's like what's happening. Like, I, I, no, we ain't got the notes. Here, my brother. Huh? That's what 
the beauty of it. They, do, Let me are hear. we diluting the, cult, the African culture? By but friend, because that was Africans right. think uh, it's not as if Africans, a lot of Africans think it's there's, no there's no pure culture. But wait, can, wait let there's me hear no Kofi. Let me hear you. But Kofi, I can hear you. I hear you quickly. No, I was just going to say, like, I'm not saying denounce. Um, the, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not saying denounce. It's piggybacking what Moses said. I'm not saying denounce anything that Africa did for us or denounce Africa from our history. Of course, like, Three quarter, half of Barbadiana is African history when it comes to our religions, our practices, our music, our food, dance, yeah. food, all of that is African history. But there, there comes a point where like so much Bajan, so much Barbadiana put into it that it becomes something else, a, a totally different thing. I'm not saying forget Africanism, but there has to be a point where we need to focus on what Bajan really is, and 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 discover what, and I mean the word discover what Bajan really is because. We have an idea. We got a shell. We got a blueprint. But I feel like to an extent, Bajan culture, like, we, we, we can explode with this. We, who created Bajan culture? It is African people who came here and they brought themselves when they came here. When they, when they came across the Middle Passage, they didn't leave themselves behind. They, True. Came, they came here with their culture, with their psyche, with their, their their emotions, with their African selves, and they engage with this new environment, right. physical and social right. and culture. And out, and out of that, they, and European culture. What do you uh, say? A, Euro- a European culture is part of that as well. They they help to humanize the European culture. I love that you said that. They have to humanize it. But the European culture is still a part of what we do. Let me give you an example. I just like you said you were human. So so the Europeans brought the House of Assembly to Barbados. Mm -hmm. Set up in 1637 or thereabouts. But what was it? What was the House of Assembly that they brought? It was an evil, barbaric institution that was was devoted to dehumanizing human beings, to to, um, to constructing slavery and, and so forth. Um, black, it is black Barbadians who took it. Today, a House of Assembly is something totally different. It's something that is designed um, to nurture humanity, to help the development of the people of this country, and, and, and so forth. So we humanize it. Many of, the, many of the European institutions that were brought here were brought as barbaric institutions mm-hmm. designed to oppress. Black people took hold of them and gave them human content. Barbados began its history as an evil, barbaric slave society. To the extent that Barbados is a humane, nurturing, caring society today is is, is in large tribute to the masses of our people who somehow, in the midst of all that evil and barbarity, managed to hold on to their humanity and to help over the centuries to develop, a, a, you know, a, a caring, nurturing social, mm. social space. So, mm. so that is our history. But don't divorce. You can't divorce that from Africa or Africanness yeah, because but, but, I, I don't know you're saying. Everybody. Go, 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 boss, go, boss. No, but I, I don't understand. I don't understand why, why, why. Right now, for example. <laughs> At the level of your government, at the level of your government, at the level of your Caribbean community, uh-huh. the, we are we are pushing to embrace the continent of Africa, mm-hmm. right? We are we are setting up embassies. We are looking to 
people to people exchanges, all the rest. Of, why would you guys as young people be resisting that movement? No, 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 I like politicians, I like politicians, I like politicians, I like politicians, I like I think what you have to find, what, what we have to, what we have to internalize yeah. is that it is neither, it is never neither, either or. Look, like, mm-hmm. I, I, on one level, I identify as a Barbadian. Mm-hmm. That doesn't stop me from identifying as a Caribbean person. Okay. That doesn't stop me from identifying as an African person, okay. as a as a citizen of a Pan-African um, civilization. It doesn't stop me from identifying as a human being. Right. You know, there is you this, but this, stop there concentric, this concentric circles. Um, you, of course, I have European ancestry. Yeah, but you, I have you, European you ancestry. Um, <laughs> of course, I have European ancestry. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't, in a sense, I mean, look, I enjoy the, I enjoy the, the good thing, the good things that European civilization has produced. Okay. I, I, um, I'm, you know, the great literature of, of, sure, of sure. Europe, the, the great, the great music of Europe and so forth. Um, but in terms of, in terms of what part of my heritage that I really um, cleave to and invest in for me, it is it is the African it is the African component okay. of, of, of of my heritage and 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 that is not something forced it, that's almost like a that is a natural right. you don't even know where it comes from right. mm-hmm. but as a, even from a little child the mu- the black music mm-hmm. resonated with me the yeah. the the, the, the concept of the black struggle resonated with me go on, go on, Mos. I, my name is Mos, you know right <laughs> <laughs> coffee or freedom <laughs> My daughter's name is Mia Femi, right? Yeah. And all that is intentional. All right, so just make yeah. public peace. Like, right. nobody ain't saying, nobody ain't saying nobody divorce ain't saying. it. Nobody ain't saying divorce at all. I don't like yeah, that. Yeah, no, no, but I, I, here's what, I, here's what I could try and summarize what I want to try and say. And right. tell me if I, I off, right? We, uh, African, our African heritage plays a major role in our culture. But as time has moved on, our culture has become amalgamated with a whole bunch of other things, right? To the point where, is the variation so far off what it used to be that it now has to be called something else? That's all. Mm-hmm. Not saying that we are in any way denying our ancestry. No, 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 no. None of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talk with pure respect and admiration and we and we really love where we came from. But I'm just saying now, after so has time gone by enough that we say that our culture is now well, something different? The, the concept that is being used now is the concept of global Africa, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's a concept that... We don't, that, that even goes, takes it beyond talking about Africa and the African diaspora. Mm-hmm. But there's a, there's a concept that from the African continent, African people spread out all over the world. Mm-hmm. And in these different locations that they spread to, yes, you know, they interacted with those locations, they developed cultural creations and, and so forth. Sure. But, that, but at the end of the day, there's still a route that runs. There's still something that connects us mm-hmm. that, that we can term global Africa. Right. And we still bear in mind, we, and, and this is what it really comes down to at the end of the day, we still, as black people, as Af- people of African ancestry, however you want to term it, 
we still face common challenges, common mm -hmm. oppressions, mm -hmm. common exploitation. For sure. We yeah. are still at the bottom of a ladder of For oppression. Sure. Yeah. And we yeah. still and so we still we so need we, each we, other. We need that solidarity. We need to work together. We need to pool resources, you know. So at the end of the day, you know, that that is that is what it's all about. You know, you go if if you travel, if you travel widely. For example, you go to a country like Jordan, they see me there. I can't tell them anything, but I am from Barbados, you know. Right, right, they see right, an African no, no, right, full right. stop. Right, right, that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, African yeah. full stop. I get that, and I get if, that. I remember, there was a fellow, there was a there was a West Indian cricketer called Black. Very dark skinned guy. Not gonna lie, that sounds Black. very racist. Is this Trinidadian Black? Or was he called Black? He's Trinidadian. Okay. He went to Australia and he was badly beaten by some white men mm. and in a racist attack. And when he was interviewed about it sometime later, he said, Oh, it was all a mistake. They mistook me for an African. Wow. They mistook me for an African. It was all a he it did not it did not occur to him. <laughs> he was still laboring under this thing right. that he's wow. he's a West Indian. He's not he's a Trinidadian. Right, 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 right. As far as those mm. white racists saw, they saw him. him black mm. man. We don't like Africa, and that's who you are, you know. Mm. So yeah, we still share that. We share that in common. It's a common history, but it's, we still have a common struggle, mm. right? And that's just a reality. Mm. We have a common struggle. Did you ever experience um, like a blatant racism in Barbados? I want to ask about Barbados. You know, there was a time when I first came on the scene in Barbados. Well, and I, I guess I used to be um, probably less diplomatic than I am. I now. can imagine. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and, in, and in those days, you know, I think Barbados was, in terms of the racial divide, was raw, more raw. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I used to have um, white people. Um, I mean, so wow. the worst... The worst, worst possible things. things. Beijing ways are. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh wow. I, mean, I would get, I would get letters, I would get death threats. Yeah. In, in, in letters. Yeah, man. People would send wow. me letters. Um, How do you send somebody death threat? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, people yeah, do that. Yeah, 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 um, get that, get that email, boy. Yeah, I'll <laughs> yeah, mail, get bills, and they get a death threat. Oh yeah, I, I would. I mean, I reached a stage where right? yeah. I wouldn't even bother to report that to the right. police or anything. You wow. Know, I just, you know. Uh, what, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I, I, there was one mm. person. I, I don't know who it was, but I mean, for years, this person, every time he found something negative about black people in a magazine or newspaper, mm -hmm. he would cut it out. And post, and post it to me. And post it to me. People. Who did boy name? No, no. He said he not only person. Was person? He went on for years. Oh. Uh, <laughs> no, they would just cut out the article. I just sent it to you. Send it to you. Who? What do you think? What do you? What do you think? Um. Um. You speak about what? What black Bajans could do to help better um our community. What do you think white Bajans could do to help um uh contribute to you know the uprising of. Well, first of all, I think white Bajans need to acknowledge our history. It, it, it begins there. And, um, hmm, you know, I, I often say it is very difficult to find a white Barbadian who will, who will um, unreservedly 
empathize with a black with a black position. Mm-hmm. You, somebody like Reverend Jerry Seal comes to mind. I always use him as an example as a, as a white Barbadian who is capable mm-hmm. of actually empathizing. So you you would have white people who, for example, want to defend the Nelson statue. Why do you want to defend? Mm-hmm. I mean, you could you could go back into history and you can find white people who played constructive roles that that we could all that we could agree upon are right. heroes mm-hmm. why do you want to why do you want to to root yourself yeah in in something that was so negative and backwards simply because mm-hmm. it is it was you know it's a white it's a white figure so i think look we, we have to be about building a national society right and that national society must have room for all of us right mm-hmm. must have room for all of us but at the same token, um, I think I think I think a lot of white people have a diffidence about, you know, whether they're in, whether they're all in, whether they have one foot in and one foot out. I mean, we we know what happened when Barbados became independent. How many white Barbadians left, left Barbados really? to migrate to Australia and Canada? You're, you keep Both. saying so, that. Oh, remember, I didn't do history. Oh, sorry. Yeah. sorry. <laughs> Okay, when oh, you're we, that. when, <laughs> when <laughs> Barbados became independent, right? Uh-huh. There was this fear in the white community that Mr. Barrow would be some kind of black tyrant. Mm. And um and many of them and you know, some of them when they got to Australia and these places, they recognized, look, you know, we can't live as good here as we were living back in Barbados. So uh, wow. quite a few of them crept back. Subsequently, mm, crept, back, crept back to Barbados, right? But that that there was that idea that a, 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 an independent, black-run Barbados is something that they had to run away from. Like Wakanda. You know, that, that kind oh, wow. of thing. So I think that this still um, needs, this still need to make an effort to really honestly and genuinely come to terms with our history. The thing about black people is, black people, look, as I said, it's almost like a miracle how our, our foreparents managed to hold on to their humanity. We are not a people of bitterness. We are not, we are not really a people of, re, of, of revenge. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and yeah, but, you know, um, I think the white Barbadian does need to make a genuine effort mm-hmm. to come to terms with the history to be able to admit right to admit to the evil parts of it, not to seek to justify it, not to seek to minimize and trivialize what black people went through, mm-hmm. or to have empathy for it. Right. And I, I've seen people like um, like Annalie Davis, for example. I don't, did you all see her post after the George Floyd thing? Oh, oh no, yeah. what did she say? Annalie Davis, you know, the white Barbadian artist. Oh. And she wrote a post, man, being very honest yeah. about her own journey Oh, as a white person in Barbados, her upbringing, uh, what she had to do to try to transcend, mm. you know, some of the narrowness mm. of of her early socialization and right. so forth. But we need more of that. We need yeah. we need more of honest, genuine, and honest effort to really come to terms. Mm-hmm. With, well, with that I, I'm, I'm I'm this is my opinion. I don't know if you agree with me, but I'm proud to say that I think people in our oh yeah, but, yeah but, <laughs> we never so you know. Just forget okay, it. Okay, no. <laughs> no, I'm proud to say I'm, that. I, I, I know, I know a few, I know a few white people in our generation. I don't know if it's 
because our generation is just raised differently. But I knew a few white people that really more are more aware and, and are trying to make the effort. Right. I'm trying to make the effort. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's encouraging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, have, I, have a, I have a, I have a, Caracom question. Mm-hmm. That is, I have to say before I forget. Um, do you think that we should be a part of the OECS? Um, yep. I think that um, Barbados and the OECS belong together, honestly. Um, yeah, in fact, again, that's an idea that I pioneered, me, the climate pain movement, years ago. We, you know, there was once a Barbados OECS Unity Task Force, and I was actually on the task force as Prime Minister Arthur's representative. Do you come up with these names? Do you uh, come up with these champion event vendors? Do you come up with this? Is this all? This all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had something called the Politics of Inclusion back in the 1990s, mm-hmm. and one of and the politics, you know, we had the I had the we had the Clement Payne movement. I was right. the president, and. Um, and so we worked with the Barbados Labour Party soon after Owen Arthur was voted in, you know, mm-hmm. back in the 90s. And one of the things we we put on the table was um, bringing Barbados and the OECS together. And the idea was embraced. We actually had the Climate Pay Movement and the Barbados Labour Party actually held a joint conference, Caribbean mm-hmm. conference, right here in Barbados. Uh, out of that conference came the Barbados was launched the idea of the Barbados OECS Unity Task Force. Right. But it, it really came, it came to naught, and it came to naught because um, one of the leaders of those Eastern Caribbean countries really poured cold water on it. Mm-hmm. Very short-sighted, in my opinion. Um, when they were against us? One of, one of the leaders. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm not even going to mention his name. Don't mention his name, but what was his reasons? Just, or you don't know? Yeah, what was the country? Sovereignty and... They're not his country's not what to give was a the country that he was leading. Oh no, that's <laughs> only solid BS. I can't imagine. Yeah, yeah. So it was really, it was really um, kind of backward. And but anyhow, um, but yes, uh, um, Barbados and the OECS countries share a lot in common. And you know, actually, we are about to launch this CARICOM travel bubble, right? The CARICOM travel oh. bubble. Yeah, explain that. Okay. Um, we want to create um, a scenario where a number of countries that have that have handled the COVID nineteen situation well mm-hmm. and are deemed to be low risk countries, that we will not need COVID tests or any quarantine period. We'll be able to travel freely once you're a member. Of, once you're part of the bubble, mm-hmm. we'll be able to travel freely. Makes it travel freely. What you mean? Travel from country to country, right? What's and different from what happens now? I don't well, understand. Right now, you need a COVID test. And oh, so they mean, come in with no COVID test? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, um, we're going to them for, with no COVID test. But that's the vibe right. as is, though. But the interesting, I bought that vibe, though. The interesting thing is that the countries that qualify for the CARICOM, the, the only countries that qualify right now for the CARICOM travel bubble are Barbados and the OECS countries. Which ones? All of them have managed oh, yeah, the COVID so well that, in fact, some of them have COVID statistics that are more impressive than... Yeah, yes. I know that for sure. <laughs> right, true. Right. So, but you do, you, do, you, do, you do see some of the um, apprehension that Bajans will have with that, though. 
I mean, regardless, you, you, you can never that, fully that's get rid based of on ignorance, though. No, 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 no. I mean, people are saying they could never fully get rid of COVID, and even though um, the, the the numbers are low, just to be safe, you should have a test. That's no, what people are saying. No, no, that's it, what people are okay. saying. Okay, if you yeah, but you have to fit a certain criteria now. So, mm. for example, Trinidadians would not. Yeah, they can't. Trinidad they can't not, qualify. Would not qualify for the bubble. Mm. Okay. Jamaica will not qualify for the bubble. Neither Guyana, Suriname, Belize, right, Bahamas. Right, there's a that would not. Half of CARICOM does not qualify for the bubble. But like, right. how, how much cases right. Dominica got? Very, very few. That's the thing. Like, if they got seven cases, why, why, why would we leave them? Seven, leave them seven the cases that have been found. No, no. That but, have been traced. Yeah, but Marcus, oh, but Marcus, 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 I think what a lot of our people don't recognize, right? CARICOM actually works, you know. We have something called the Caribbean Public Health Agency. Right. All mm-hmm. of us mm-hmm. are following the same routines. We are being checked the same way. You know, so so we have a system that works. So the, those statistics are are genuine statistics, right? Mm-hmm. I think the maybe the only CARICOM country where we may not be too sure about the statistics might be Haiti, because you know yeah, Haiti yeah. has some special special problems, right? right. But yeah. we know, so we, we 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 keep abreast of the of the picture, mm-hmm. so we know. And um, so yeah, so Barbados and the OECS countries are going to start with the with the bubble. So you know, if a Barbadian is traveling from Bridgetown to St. Lucie, you don't need a COVID test. Right. right? So, so it's kind of the same thing. Okay. 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 I, I want to ask a uh, question. That's you, to Bridgetown. Mm-hmm. I have a question you literally cannot answer. I don't know why I'm bothering. I'm going to try just in case you can. <laughs> what would it say that we could do carry calm travel like outside of COVID? But just like reduce the taxes, like make it easier to just like it's one thing like cool we have like the um Caricom workers permit that's not what it's called is it but skill certificate right we have that and we could work in other countries that's cool but let's say that's the case and I want to visit my family where do I have to pay us what I think is outrageous amount of money to just travel there and this is a deal people to do it but well, you know it's how very high it's very expensive, expensive. But you know that but you know that more than fifty percent of the plane ticket consists of. Government taxes. Yes, that's that's well, that's yeah. why I would like to know the whole so, campaign. Yes, but every, everybody now recognizes that it was a mistake, right? Every all the governments now recognize that air travel within the region is too high, mm-hmm. and because because the tickets are so high, it is counterproductive. So right. we all recognize that. No, oh, we'll change it then. But the problem is, <laughs> the problem is that the government budgets. In several countries, have come so much Depend to rely on, tickets. So the question is, how can we transition to other forms of, of mm. tax revenue? Right. And that is the troubling issue. So they, everybody agrees now. It was a mistake to start putting all these government but taxes on right, tickets. Right, right, right. But how can we now rectify it? I'm very glad you had an answer. COVID-19 is probably going to, you know, COVID-19 is going to cause us to find the answers to tough questions. Right, right. that we should have found. Because now we recognize, you know, before, with all the obstacles to tourism now and, and everybody, I mean, we in Barbados are going to be trying to convince our Caribbean brothers and sisters, particularly the ones in the low-risk countries, mm-hmm. okay, you no longer can you go to New York or London for holiday. Come, come to Barbados. Mm-hmm. You want a vacation? Come here. So we are going to recognize more and more the valuableness 
of intra-regional mm -hmm. travel. Mm -hmm. And it is going to make us take those hard decisions about finding ways to reduce, to take off some of those taxes. So from those yeah. 2025 is the Mecca Jamaican family. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 question, question. Um, um, so I, I, want to, I want you to go back to the, to the question about the OECS, but do, does that mean that we have to change our dollar? If you, if you want us in the OECS, well, we have to change our dollar to the, to the EC dollar? Um, but do you want that? Would, mm, well, oh, I, I can't answer that for Barbados. But you, for you, maybe, what do you, you want? Maybe, maybe, they, maybe they change to the Barbados dollar. But the point is that... Um, Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Move on. Wait, so you prefer, you will prefer? No, no, no. If no, you had to choose, I, okay. I if you had to choose, I can't answer the question. Okay. But even you could. I can't. Answer, <laughs> no, I can't. Don't no, just say what you want. I mean, not saying that what what um, they say if, what you want. No, if Barbados, Barbados going into the OECS. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's speculative. You would you would need to sit down. You would need to negotiate it, right? Yeah. Mm. Exactly what going in means. And what will be the obligations, you know, on, on either side and so forth. Um, the OECS has done well. The OECS dollar is a very stable dollar. And they have managed it very well. The Barbados dollar is a very stable dollar as well. It shouldn't be difficult, really. To It should not be really... You know, one of, one of, the, one of the difficult things, really, is um, in terms of the CARICOM single economy is the common currency, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's acknowledged that probably the final building block in the single economy is going to be the common currency. Mm. So a common currency is not an easy thing to do. So that's why you kind of build up towards it. You put all the other things in place because mm. you must have similar fiscal policies and monetary policies and all the rest of it. You must have similar regulations. It's just like the European Union, you know, all the problems they've had with the euro. Yeah, mm. for sure. Right? So a common currency is a you know, it's a very technical... I am both them dollars, though, which is why you made a good... Right? I think you made a good... Well, you made a... You, you, but the point is, so CARICOM... Say nothing. In CARICOM, we recognize, <laughs> we recognize it's going to be difficult in CARICOM to, to, to get to the common currency for the whole CARICOM region, right? Right. 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 However, the two most stable currencies in CARICOM are really the Barbados dollar and the OECS dollar. I have a question to ask about that. It should, about that. should not be difficult. Ah. It really should what, what does that even entail? Like, um, I haven't done this sort of, had this conversation since Cape, right? But from what I understand, I remember is that whilst your dollar might sound good in terms of like, it sounds really pretty to hear that a Beijing is half a US dollar, right? Right. But what does that even mean if it means that the equivalent to buy a loaf of bread is five Bajan dollars, right? But it might be, I don't know, a hundred Jamaican dollars. But a hundred Jamaican dollars is less than that five dollars. So what does that really me mean? If that we're technically spending more money to buy the same product, but our dollar value sounds pretty nice. So. Jamaican might be paying five hundred dollars for the same loaf of bread. Right, but that five hundred dollars is worth about three Bajan no, dollars. I think the, the point is, is the point is about um, the stability of the of the of the currency. You know, the Barbados dollar has been stable for its virtually entire life, right? From, from virtually when it was first launched. Um, similarly, the OECS dollar has, has been stable. Some of the other currencies, uh, there was a time when the Jamaican dollar was actually like on par with the, with the US dollar. I still don't understand. Like, I, I, I don't dollar. understand what that means. Because well, well, yeah, yeah, the dollar value is 
stable, cool. Yeah. I still can't afford things. Yeah, but <laughs> but I think so. What does that I mean? Think, I think part of our economic thinking is that to have the stable dollar gives certain certainty to um, economic affairs, um, to business people um, making their plans and so forth. Um, but t- t- what tends to happen is where a country runs into economic problems. And they feel that in order to get out of these economic problems, they need to export more. Right. And one of the ways to export more is if you devalue your dollar, right. your products then become more attractive to people mm. from outside. Right. But then when you and then you Constant get into this spiral of, mm. of constantly devaluing your currency, where the currency almost becomes becomes worthless, you mm. know. I mean we could go into we could go into a supermarket in Barbados with a hundred dollars, and come out with a, you know, fairly a trolley load of, of goods. For one person for you go into you go into a supermarket in Jamaica with a hundred dollars, and you can scarcely come out with a coke. Yeah. You know, and I, um, I, do, I do we really want that kind of instability in the in the currency? I still feel, Mister Mister um, Ambassador. I still feel, Mister Ambassador. Mr. Ambassador. <laughs> <laughs> I still feel you kind of glossing over like, um, my point to an extent because like. I don't want to say lemon's terms, but for me, right? Like, when you're going to the supermarket and I'm supposed to spend the equivalent to $100 Beijing, right? I'm using US dollars. So, $50 US, I could get a decent cart of groceries that could serve me and Kofi Jones for the week. I feel like $50 US in Jamaica, I could probably do two weeks. I could probably do me and somebody for a week. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like, whilst. Well, so you're comparing the, the value of the dollar, it sounds nice, but what does that actually mean? I, I understand what you're saying, but um, it's, it's attractive to businesses. The country isn't devaluing the dollar. That looks nice. That sounds nice. But as an average consumer, why should I care about that? Because people have been saying it my entire life, and they don't understand why I should care, because my dollar cannot buy as much as another country's um, dollar. It, well, it you know, every country has to decide for itself. But Barbados has decided that... In terms of our economic model, um, we want a stable we want a stable currency. We don't want a currency that is fluctuating, that is that is being devalued. That in terms of the model that we are pursuing, the stable currency works for us. And in our wisdom, we have worked out that the that we are going to peg that it makes sense for us to peg our dollar to the U.S. dollar <laughs> and to keep it at the level of. Of, of two to one, so I don't think there's any there's any right or wrong, but I think generally <coughs> speaking, our experience has been that this has worked well. This has worked well for Barbados. Mm-hmm. It has given us a degree of predictability, um, and you know, it it has helped us to maintain a relatively um, a, 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 a standard of living, a standard of exchange. Then. Um, that we feel comfortable with, but I, it's, it's it's not a question of there's no right or wrong answer. As I said, some some governments play with the dollar and believe that by devaluing it, it could help them to address some of their economic problems. Some but I think I think yeah. you tend to find that in the long run, it really does not work. It really does not work, and what okay. you end up with, you end up with a grossly um, devalued dollar that just complicates. Um, your financial arrangements. We, on the other hand, you know, Barbados, you know, um, except for, you know, the very recent past, 
Barbados has been widely admired right across um, CARICOM, mm -hmm. right across the Caribbean community for how we have managed our economic affairs, right. our, our stability, our standard of living, and, and so forth. And we believe that a big part of that has to do with the fact that we have this, we have, we have this stable dollar and uh, that we have this predictability in economic transactions. But, so, but, but again, you wouldn't you wouldn't be opposed to changing our dollar to EC? No, I, I, I think I think honestly they're both they're both are highly regarded currencies that mm. they, um, they both have a reputation for being very well very well managed. And so I wouldn't I wouldn't see a problem. Would we lose anything would we lose anything um joining the OECS? Is there any no, dis are there no, any no, no, no we would get so then why why haven't we done it then? Well well, um, <laughs> well, um, I can't say why we haven't done it, but I know that there's interest. There's we have there's interest in in um in, and having the conversation mm. with the OECS. You know, I would want you to know. There's it's two mm. two hands to clap. Right. Um. So you need you really need to start with a conversation. You know, because both sides have to be. That's be something that both sides want to do. But yes, Barbados would benefit because, first of all, a lot of the OECS countries look to Barbados as a headquarters for many for many things that they may not have in their own territory that Barbados can provide. But in recent years, what, what we've been finding is that some of the things that they look to Barbados in the past for, they're now looking to Martinique, Guadeloupe, mm -hmm. and so forth. So... Um, so I think it would benefit Barbados to solidify right. the relationship with them and to yeah. reassert, reassert Barbados's position hmm. as the um, the Eastern Caribbean more developed country that they look to, hmm. you know, in terms of um, their needs. And, and you mean like the Mecca, so the headquarters yeah. of the Caribbean, yeah. the, the, the greatest like, um, of the Traditionally, islands. they would come to Barbados for. Um, Medical, certain Mar medical oh, yeah, procedures right, right. and services. They probably could uh, uh, right, at, at, at the level that, yeah, that they were right, having right, there. But now some of them are going turning to say Martinique mm. and Guadeloupe and so mm. forth. Ah, okay. And Martinique and Guadeloupe have become associate members of the OECS. Okay. Mm. So, so I mean, very deliberate. Right. You know, they're very deliberate. So. Barbados, you know, we, we just need to take care of our own interests, our own yeah, interests yeah, as well. Sure. Or not. I guess there's a question that for more uh, more re reason why you may not be able to answer. I want to know if there are no disadvantages why we have not done it. I don't think... I I, I, I said this as a joke earlier, but I really think it might be a serious thing. We ain't got our heroes on the back of these bills no more. <laughs> oh, really? Oh. Because we're spending their dollars, so it can't be uh, our heroes. And but, people can have a but, field but day about that. of their as opposed to our, that's the um, problem. So you think well, that I don't feel Sarah Angel is uh, is uh, our thing. That's you know, uh, my thing. You know, when Barbados <laughs> became independent in 1966, there was a big division in the Democratic Labour Party over the idea that Barbados should go to independence alone or Barbados should persist with trying to develop a federation of the Eastern Caribbean. Winter Crawford was one who... Hmm was pushing hard for Barbados to continue making the effort to develop the Federation of the Eastern Caribbean because he felt that um, the Barbados market was too small for manufacturing and that, and that Bar Barbadian manufacturers would, would need that 
wider right. Eastern mm -hmm. Caribbean market. And he, and he actually broke ranks with Mr. Barrow over Mr. Barrow deciding to... Now, Mr. Barrow had made a big effort. Huh? Mm -hmm. After the Federation collapsed, Mr. Barrow stepped in and he actually tried to put the Federation back together. When that didn't work, he said, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna, Barbados and the, we're gonna work to establish a federation of the so-called Little Eight. That was the eight without Trinidad and Jamaica. Mm -hmm. And, um, and he, he worked at it and then, but somebody else dropped out, then it was the Little Seven. And eventually, right. eventually he got, he got frustrated and fed up and said, no, no. Yeah, I, I done with this. I'm just going to mm. take Barbados into the independence alone. Mm. But there were people like Winter Crawford and um, and Mr. Ward who were um, strongly opposed to Barbados going into alone and felt we should have made mm. another effort. So yes, yeah, so that idea that that Barbados and the Eastern Caribbean territories really belong together mm. and that Barbados has a lot to gain from being like the yeah. know, a major territory within the Eastern mm. Caribbean. Mm. That, that idea has been there for some time. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you know, I, I've, we've had that discussion within the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. But I guess, we, you know, there's so much happening that yeah. the time hasn't really been propitious because we have to, have a, we have to start with a conversation right. about it. I've, I've, one, I've one last topic. Sure. But we could close here. Yeah, you Michael, you're about her, Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. I'm one last I will let you all in a second. This is a, this is a great close, honestly. Oh, yeah, you, you prefer you, you, what you want going to go into it or you, you want to well, like, topic. Tell me. Reparations. Yeah, no. Hey, my bag now, no. Oh, you know, start. Why is that your commercial face? We need to talk reparations. I, I want to know. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. What you want to know about reparations? Who will pay for reparations and who should get reparations? First of all, <laughs> I think you can. I think you can. You can break down reparations into three into three aspects, right? There's the aspect that we that we are most common with, common that we know uh, most commonly. That is where our CARICOM countries have said to the European nations that were implicated in enslavement, okay. um, you co you committed a crime, you benefited from that crime, you injured people as a result of that crime, and you must not feel that you can simply walk away from the scene of that crime with your mm. ill-gotten gain. So we're asking you to come back to the scene of, and to help repair some of the damage that you like did. What? So that's, 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 that's one aspect that's one. of it. Right? Mm -hmm. A second aspect of it is the self-repair that we need to do because there's certain aspects of the damage, cultural, psychological, that we need to, we need to work on among ourselves. But thirdly, there's also the international there's an international component to reparations because the the international economic and political order that exists in the world today came out of those centuries of enslavement and colonialism and a lot of the international institutions that exist whether it's whether you're talking the IMF the World Bank even the United Nations that the terms of trade were, were built in a structurally exploitative way of countries that went through a history of enslavement 
and colonialism. So another aspect, the third aspect of the reparations must be a repairing of the international economic and political order. And mm -hmm. the central idea behind that mm -hmm. is that we, the countries and people who went through a period of enslavement and colonization, we now have a right to development. And those countries that committed the crimes and, and, and benefited from siphoning off the, our resources, the fruits of our labor, um, they, they, they have a duty to facilitate our development. I have a question to ask right. you before, before so, you move on. I know, I know, right, okay. Um, but by the way, I'm just going to say it out front so that people don't think. I agree with the idea of reparations. Um, I, I am on board with it. Just the feasibility. So you give an example if you walk away from a crime. Mm -hmm. Here's my question to the room. If my great-grandfather committed a crime, should I go back to see any crime? Because that's what, I mean, no, that no, is no, usually no. the well, argument. We are targeting, we are tar look, look, we are targeting the national governments. Right. We're not targeting individuals. Not we're targeting the national governments. We're also targeting institutions, companies, uh, universities. Look. But who will pay that, though? No, not no, the no, people? No, not, if it's a tax or something. Marcus, Marcus, Marcus. Marcus, 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 our ancestors, our foreparents for centuries, they, they enslaved them, they worked them to death on the plantations. They paid them nothing. All the fruits of their labor were siphoned. Rather than the fruits of their labor going to develop our own families, our own institutions, our own nations, they were siphoned off to develop the families, the companies, the institutions, of, of Europe, right? Mm. That is the, the crime that was committed and they have, and the ill-gotten gains of the crime. So they, they purchased their development at the expense of our underdevelopment. You know, right. Walter Rodney's book, How Europe Underdeveloped Africa. Europe's development is purchased at the expense of the underdevelopment of, of, of our countries. So we are simply saying to them, and it's not, it's not targeted at individuals, but the, the, the European governments that orchestrated it, that approved it, that ran it for ran that whole system for centuries, that benefited from it, um, we're saying to them, you have to come back to the scene of the crime and help to re take some of that ill-gotten gain. Because what you have today, this, this magnificent industrial society that you have with all this tremendous wealth, that is the result of the plunder that you illegally took from us. So you have it. All we're saying to you is you, you have to come back to the scene of the crime and you have to use some of that wealth to help to repair um, some, of, some of the damage. I fully agree. I fully agree. But if, okay, let, let me, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say um, well, I'm in mind, and then you could pick it apart, right? Okay, so if I say, like, for example, if we had to say, like, there, there would then be a reparations, um, something that, a grant or fund or something that would come from these, from these European governments. Mm -hmm. The governments get their money from the people, correct? So say, say there's then a reparations tax. So but the, the government will have be, money from 1627. It's still, it's still money in the government. Uh, like, all the Europeans have benefited they, they've all benefited. They've, listen, do you know? Well, you know, right? Mm -hmm. When slavery was abolished, 
the English government said that they were going to compensate for the abolition of slavery. And everybody would have thought, well, the people you're going to compensate must be the slaves. Because right. they, they worked for 200, 200 and something years for nothing. They said, no, who we are going to compensate is the slave owners. For the uh, so they compensated so, the slave yeah, owners yeah, for yeah. their loss of That's property right. in the slaves. <laughs> no compensation was paid to the, the formerly enslaved. The, the 20 million pounds, and that it was actually 47 million pounds, right? Um, 20 million pounds was paid to the slave owners in cash, and the other 27 million pounds was paid in the form of free labor that our for parents. They, they said they were free, but they said, although you're free, you have to serve a period of apprenticeship mm-hmm. for eight years, and you have to give so many hours of free labor mm-hmm. to the slave plantation owner yes. to pay off the debt, the 27 right. million. So now that 47 million compensation that they said that they were going to pay um, is equivalent to something like 178 billion pounds in today's values, right? 178 wow. billion. Now, in order to pay the, the 20 million pounds, the British, which the 20 million pounds was 40% of the British annual budget in 1834. So the British government took out loans, bonds, to pay the compensation to the slave masters. Mm-hmm. Do you know when the British government made the final payments on those slave bonds, those slavery bonds? 2015. The final payment. So, in other words, black British people, taxpayers, um, their tax dollars were being used by the British wow. Treasury right. to pay off. Who the money was going to? Who the money was going to? And I'm really curious. So, it's in order to pay that twenty million pounds uh-huh. in yeah, 1834 yeah. is forty percent of the annual budget of the British government. So that's a lot of money. Right. So in order to pay it, the government had to borrow. The British okay. government had oh, so to borrow money. As we're paying the loan. Right, right, right. Yeah, I don't call it. No problem. We're paying as we're paying. And okay. in turn, when you borrow money, <laughs> you typically, you, you issue bonds. Well, borrow right. from home. Right. So <laughs> then you have to pay off these bonds. Right. It took them oh my God. the final payment on these bonds that they issued in 1834 in order to pay the slave masters. Mm-hmm. The final payment on those bonds was made by the British government in 2015, five Why years no? ago. So when they talk about ago. this thing being, oh, ancient history, oh, it's so nah. long in nah. it's so long <laughs> in nah. 2015 was when you made the final payment on the bonds issued to compensate the slave masters. Right. So it is no ancient history. It's very current history. Right. You know? But the, the truth is, you know, they, they owe us. Um, we were, our ancestors were the victims of crimes against humanity. Mm-hmm. We suffered from those crimes. We suffered from a plundering of all the fruits of our labor. I'm, I'm even getting in now to, you know, the punishments, the, 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 the rapes, right. the we, burnings, we, we know, the yeah, things. We, the, yeah. I, you know, even if we just look at the fact that for hundreds of years, our four parents worked and received nothing, no payment for the fruits of that, that work. Mm-hmm. And that went instead funneled to London. 
and, and, and Liverpool and so forth. But the, the, the truth is that the, the entire European civilization that we know today was constructed right around that system of slavery, right? Because right. mm. it wasn't just, it was the plantations, but it was also the maritime trade. Right. It was the Middle Passage. It was, right. and all the, the man, so shipbuilding, yeah. um, manufacturing, insurance industry, the banking industry, yeah. you name it. The whole, the, the, the driving force mm. behind that whole European development was that system of, of slavery and the system of trade that underpinned um, the, the system of slavery. Can I ask you? Can I ask you a question now that you're so I so still on who would pay? Do you think that um, some places in West Africa should also be paying? Well, yeah, okay. This this thing about this this thing about um, African collaborators. The, the the first thing is that we need to know is that the system was actually orchestrated from Europe by Europe. Um, so Europe constructed it. Now, there are some people in Africa that were, okay, some people had a choice. Either you collaborate with the European enslavers or you become a victim yourself. So that, that, was, that was one part of it. Now, you may, let's say you found some African polities, the Ashanti, the, the Ashanti, um, Ashanti Kingdom, for example, that collaborated um, with, with slave raiding. But what eventually happened to them? Yes, yeah, so they collaborated. But you know what eventually happened to them? Eventually, the same British invaded um, the Ashanti Kingdom, destroyed them, and made them into a, pro a protectorate. So the point is, even if you can find people who, um, polities, um, um, who, who, who actively collaborated, not because they were, not because they were forced. Mm -hmm. Many of, some of the collaborators was because if you don't collaborate, you, we will take you. You know, mm. so you're, you're under duress. But even if you did find some that were not under duress but collaborated because they felt they could benefit from it, the, the, the reality is that ultimately the British powers turned against them too mm. and destroyed their power as well. Right. And, um, you know, so if, you, if you're looking for reparations and you're going to look to the Ashanti kingdom, really you're really wasting your time. I know a, pl I know <laughs> a place... Um, the, real, the wealth is really right. in London mm -hmm. and Paris... And New York and so forth. I know that, that there's a there's the, the leader of Benin in um, West Africa. He he came out and he uh, he apologized to Af the African Americans for slavery and said that if if not for their contribution, there would be no slave trade. Now I think he was being a bit facetious, maybe, but then but if you look at the a lot of slave merchants, the the, the descendants of slave merchants today are still rich and benefited. Um, greatly from what their ancestors did. And it's kind of like the same thing as in like Europe and those places. So I was just wondering if I, if we know that there are some places with the, like in Africa that also contributed, like should they like kind of get a ease? Yeah, if you can find, yes. But uh, what, what I'm saying to you is that um, that's going to be very, very difficult. Yeah, because it gets tricky. even them, even the ones who collaborated eventually, the, the, the European powers turned on mm. them as well. By 1885, 84, the whole of Africa was, was colonized. Mm. You know, True. so they eventually, well, people who might have been your yeah, ally, they turned on you as well. The Ashanti is a good example of it, you mm -hmm. know. They were their partners in the slave trade for a period of time. They eventually colonized them too, conquered them. Um, I'm colonized, see, but... Right. But the reparations cause is is rooted in law, 
Um, it is also rooted in justice and morality. And um, it's, it's only a matter of time, but we have, we have to pursue it seriously. We have to believe in it. We have to make it into a mass movement. We have to turn it into an international cause celeb, just like the anti-apartheid movement in the 1970s and 1980s. It must become an international mm -hmm. movement. But um, if we pursue it seriously, um, we will we will eventually win out. What is the first thing you do? Your reparations money? Well, I think it's a mistake to think of reparations as simply money payment. First of all, no iPhone twelve. Oh. First of all, in Caricom, Caricom has not put the emphasis on money payment. Caricom <clears throat> has put the emphasis on a series of developmental programs, right? In, healthcare, education, technology transfers, debt cancellation, you know, um, cultural programs and so forth. So yes, there must there must also be a money payment. There must be some kind of developmental fund. Not in CARICOM we don't see reparations in terms of individual payments, mm. right? We see it more as a collective. Right. As, as I said, think of it as we now have a right to development. Right. And they have a duty to facilitate our development. I think that's that right? they sounds about it, it, yeah. I like that. Like, like it. Terms, that sounds right? a lot more um, Think feasible. of it in, in, in those terms. And um, uh, when you think of it in those terms, then even a money payment would not would not suffice. Yeah, I don't know what that you dollar value would be. You cannot, you cannot you plunder. Yeah. You cannot plunder a people. <laughs> Loot of people, oh, plunder people years. for yeah. centuries. What is that right? like? That develop your, develop you your society. How do you? For you can't. You can't. Underdevelop these people right. for right. centuries. You can't. And believe that as a money payment? No. Nah. Nah. It's going to take a period, an extensive yeah. period of engagement. I agree. And that's why I say, think of it. We now have, that history mm. has given us a right to development and has imposed upon them a duty to facilitate our development. I agree. Think of it as Oh, yes. Early? That's good. Yes, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But, you know, but we have to pursue it at all levels. You know, at the level of our foreign ministries, our embassies, our ambassadors, the United Nations. Mm -hmm. We have to explain. We have to, we have to create a situation where, just as with the, the case of the Jewish Holocaust, wherever, these, wherever the representatives of these governments go in the world, people must, so, must be so familiar with, with our story, right. our Holocaust, mm -hmm. that they constantly hear, but when are you going to do justice to the, to the African people? You know, mm -hmm. the it must become an international cause celeb. Mm -hmm. And it can become an international cause celeb, but we first have to believe in it and we have to take responsibility for pushing it. Ambassador, did you have fun? <laughs> yes, of course. Okay. <laughs> we really, I'm talking to three, yeah. three young brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that you came. I think I, I speak for the, the three of us, really. Sure. Yeah, this yeah, is this is very... Yeah, we always appreciate um, open-minded people that would be willing to come and talk to us about anything and, and give have their perspective. Yeah, hard have these hard conversations because we had a lot in, in, this, in this one episode. And I really appreciate you coming. Um... Final words, 
I don't make them like long like politicians. <laughs> yeah, you just but get final words to the my, to the my youth. My final word to the youth is that look, we we have to Barbados is a special place. And uh, I, I fight so hard because for Barbados because not just because of Barbados itself, but I understand the role that Barbados can play as an example to other black countries, other black people, you know. And um, we're in a difficult time with this COVID-19, but it is also a time of possibility. Mm. And I think that our, our young, you young people, I... I you know, we didn't get to talk about the, the Nelson thing, right? We didn't. But I think the Nelson statue, I think it's such a perfect example of how a younger generation came, took up an issue mm -hmm. that my generation had been grappling with 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I honestly thought, look, this thing is dead. And here, my children's generation, 20 years later, take back up this issue mm -hmm. and cause the government to go back and look at those reports that we did 20 years ago and to agree to finally implement them. Can I give, can I give my, I, I had a little, I had a little, but not a little. I just want to make the oh, go ahead. because it is, what, what is so inspiring about it for me, it is how, this is how we make progress. Mm -hmm. One generation helping yeah. to come, taking, taking, you know, taking up the work of the previous generation. Yeah. And bringing yeah, it to, building bringing it, it to building fruition, on it. right? So I think that this, this generation of young Barbadians, especially at this time of COVID, when so much is in flux, I think you all need to push. I think you all need to decide where you all want this society to go mm. and push hard. Yeah. And I think you, we are fortunate. We have, um, we have a leader who is really on top of her game, very in tune. And, um, and so there, there are tremendous possibilities for Barbados. So let us... Let us grasp them, yeah. and let us all let us all be involved. Let us all have a very participatory, hands-on um, approach to our country because this country can do great things. Yeah, trust oh, me. I wanted to add to what you're you're saying. I know we're supposed to close enough, but I wanted to add to what you're saying. Um, bit, there were a lot of detractors with, with the whole Nelson statue. People were saying, you know. People have been protesting that for years. They got songs about that. Nobody in can do nothing about that. And we're saying that they will not go and march because of that. Mm -hmm. Also, people were saying that nobody went and marched in, in. Like, okay, they were saying, when it came to the whole Black Lives Matter thing, people were saying, well, these that happened over there. I like, why would you? The, the truth of the matter is, who cares where the inspiration comes from if the change is meaningful? If we did not, if we did not mobilize because of that, it would not have spiraled into Nelson being moved. Mm -hmm. And people had a lot to say, talking about the fact that not many people went and marched. But the truth of the matter is, it doesn't take that many people in a country to make change. And that was proven when the Nelson statue came down. We started a rumbling. We started, um, when coming people, down. yeah. <laughs> well, coming down, coming down, coming down, coming down. Yeah, yeah. But we, but 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 the people that went out and marched, I I really applaud the you. Has been big. It's coming down. Yeah. Yeah. Right, that's why you say he was Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> right, and and I really applaud the people that went. And even even though it was a small um, portion and of the, the community, it was good. They got Alex down. For sure, for sure. I want to say you were there too. I was there. Yeah, yeah. You got a picture, but not a mask. And you know what's going to be, you know, it's going to be so wonderful that 
this statue is going to be removed, but not in any antagonistic yeah. um, confrontation between right. the, the activists and the government. No, right. it, it, is, it is going to be moved uh, together. Yeah, right. Right, right, it, right. it is going to be a spectacle of an evolved... An event. Mm. An evolved people, an evolved government, you know, um, doing something together to take this country to a higher level of consciousness. Mm. Yeah. Thank God too, cause mm-hmm. people have plans to take it on. Yeah, the boy, I know, man. Who what is what? Just saying, lawless. We're gonna do it well. We're gonna do it well. We're gonna set a very. You know what they're doing? Like we can just put it in you. Sorry, but are we seriously gonna put it in you? It's going into the museum. It's going into the museum. It's going to be treated as an historical artifact. Right now. It is a, a statue, and a statue is something that you are celebrating. celebrating. Right. So we're not going to be celebrating it. Right. But it will go into the museum as a historical artifact that could be an instrument for teaching about our history and so documenting and teaching about I history. heard, right, that he never actually sat for on Barbados. That he just was um, on his ship on the coast and was like, Barbara, this money, sewage, she ain't getting paid. And then I just thought it would be really poetic, right? I mean, this point you see where he was, but he came That would be so poetic, in my opinion. These the divers were seeing. It's important to document our history. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's important. Yeah, you need to keep our historical sure. artifacts. And, you know, I, I, my, Aisha would tell you, you know, when, when she and her sister were quite young, I would always take them around to the Nelson statue and the Buster statue. And I would use the two statues to educate them. Right. To educate them on what, what Buster was all about. Right. What Nelson was all about. And right. why they should revere one and despise the other one. Mm. You know? So these things can be good teaching tools. And the, museum, sure. is, the museum is... The museum is, is a good place. Place. Yeah. 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 Ambassador, I appreciate you coming through. Um... I, I know the the entire team does too. We sure got me. Sure got me. Sure got me. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> but 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 thanks for thanks for coming. I know that our um our audience would definitely appreciate this, and we'd be looking forward to hearing some more things. Anytime, Marcus. Yep. If uh, if ever if ever needs some if ever okay. if ever needs some brandy when things get too rough, <laughs> you know where to come back, right? Uh. <laughs> uh, that being said, I know podcast. We out. <laughs> Thanks for watching the INO podcast, information, knowledge, observation. Be sure to give this video a like and subscribe to our channel. We'll see you soon.